Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergot for episode 13 on this Sunday, the 11th of October, 2020. Today, I'm joined not by our regular Xbox Hall of Famer, number one RPG player in all of Oceania. No, 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 no. Today, I'm joined by one of our long, long mates, uh, and he's going to come along and chat about lots of random stuff, and it goes by the name of Mike. Mike. Hello. Tell, I, tell us a bit about yourself for a second. I am number one RPG player <laughs> in all of Eastern Europe. In all of Romania. All of R- Romania, where I'm originally from. <laughs> number nice. one. Then, uh, I win all of the awards. Mr. Putin himself once gave me an award. It was right. a very beautiful time. Okay. Okay. Back to normal. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Mike. And- and in today's show, um, we'll be discussing the official teardown of the PS5, Xbox Series X hands-on, uh, Rambo joining the Mortal Kombat lineup, and, uh, you know, one benefit of having Mike along is he actually plays games that are relevant. So you've yeah. actually played and beaten Hades, so you're going to do a review of Hades later. Yeah, I play other things than RPGs and, in your case, Rocket League. <laughs> exactly um and before we kick off i want to give a correction so last week i said that there is a player to robin amiibo and that that that's not correct uh there's only a corin player to amiibo from the fire emblem series and actually there's only three official player to amiibos which are cloud corin and bayonetta so my apologies that was incorrect i have uh, just- no idea what any of that means and <laughs> at this stage i'm too afraid to ask yeah, you don't want to know. I don't want to um, know. Just, just before we go on, I should I should just call out uh, Swinney. So, Swinney's actually uh, in hospital at the moment. He doesn't have coronavirus, mm. which is good. Uh, but we send uh, our prayers and our thoughts uh, to him, but he, he should be fine. Um, yes. And I believe he'll be joining us next week. But yes, we thought we'll uh, bring a ring in, uh, a, a very good mate who we've been mates with for a very, very long time. And Too long. Has, Lots of views on gaming, sometimes very different to myself or Swinney. So Which is it good. Interesting. It's good. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> discussion. Uh, and in terms of in terms of your background, because I think we've covered it a lot in the shows, Swinney and I had kind of somewhat similar background, lots of Nintendo, Super Nintendo kind of as our bedrock. How about yourself, Mike? Uh, well, first of all, bef- before we, put, we were going on with that, I did not realize that blow-up dolls can end you in emergency rooms and hospitals. <laughs> what happened to Swinney was was really just, wow, wow. I <laughs> My thoughts and prayers are with you, Swinney. They really are. Anyway, so what was the question again? What, what have I been playing? Okay, so this week... No, no, not what you've been playing, but more like just so the audience understands. Like, what's your yeah. background? Like, were you... No, did you play yes. Nintendo? Did you play Commodore 64? Did you play whatever? Right. So, unlike the two of you, uh, being massive Nintendo lovers, I didn't really grow up on Nintendo, unfortunately. And I say unfortunately, because I think there were a lot of awesome games that I missed out as a child. So, instead, I grew up on mostly PC. Um, I think the first PC I got my hands on was the 386. And then the one that I mostly played on was the 486 uh, with, you know, the likes of Doom um, and a bunch of 
well, actually, a lot of games that were still in floppy disks back in those days. Mm. So I grew up mostly on that. And then I sort of went a bit with Sega during during the Sega slash SNES period. Um, again, not intentionally. It just happened to be whatever I had access to. And then moved on to uh, PlayStation for a bit because I, I got one as a gift. Super lucky. And kind of stuck with PlayStation for a bit, um, moved on to Xbox, and then always had PC in the background as well. So a bit mm. of everything. And now, you know, I've got a Switch now. I've got Xbox, PlayStation, PC. Kind of have all the consoles, unfortunately. Yeah, I think, like, out of all our mates, you're probably always the one who would have all the latest consoles, like, on both sides of the fence, Xbox and PlayStation. Yeah, possibly. And ironically, mm. I probably almost play the least amount of games nowadays. <laughs> well, you go through ups and downs, where it's like you'd yeah. be playing more religiously than even Sweeney, potentially. And that that's a level. That's a level of dedication. And we should call out, actually, Sweeney's dedication to gaming. So he, he contacted me that he was in the ER. I was like, oh, my God, that's terrible, dude. Um, and then he's like, oh, you know, don't laugh at this, but, you know, do you want to play Rocket League or Smash later? <laughs> And we actually played oh a set God. of Smash when he was in the ER. <laughs> and there was like a nurse talking to him. <laughs> like, sorry, we need, we need to take it to the operation room. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Can't you know. see I'm winning? <laughs> this is an important set. <laughs> we keep it's these records for the long Come term. On. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and, you know, you'll go through fits and bouts of you know, playing crazy hours. I remember you taking a bunch of time off work yeah, to be able to I play some games that are launched. So I did. When the but, Xbox but- One launched, uh, I, w- I went to the launch event and I think I was the second in Melbourne in line t- to get my hands on it. So I, r- <laughs> I rushed home to play it. I think I had the next couple of days off or something. And there was even, there was, there was even a newspaper article about it uh, where I was quoted as saying something along the lines of, <laughs> I hope my boss doesn't find out that I just came to the floor <laughs> taking the next couple of days off. But I think gr- gradually over time, especially more recently in the last couple of years, uh, you know, due to changes in lifestyle and, and what interests me and stuff, I definitely stopped playing as much as I used to. And I was just more of a casual, mm. under control uh, thing that I do. Well, it's hobby. almost a, an addiction for you. Oh, it so absolutely was. Yeah, yeah. It was it was one hundred percent an addiction. It, it started off with you know it's 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 a hobby. I justified it as that. It was it was fine. It was great. Um, I'd play with mates. I play by myself, and I didn't mind the fact that I I played a bunch of different games. I wouldn't generally just be stuck on one unless it was you know something like mm. Destiny. I went through that phase. Um, so I justified that you know at least I get all sorts of different experiences and stuff. But the reality was I was hooked. I was absolutely mm. hooked. And it got to the stage where I felt like it was really, really affecting my life. There were so many things that I wanted to do that I just didn't have the time. And I had the time. I just didn't have the time because I was stuck gaming. And eventually, mm. you know, I kind of got out of that. And I think it, it's it's a lot more curbed now and under control. At least I think it is. Mm. But you know what? Any alcoholic would probably say the same. Yeah. I'm fine. I only had a couple of glasses tonight. It's all good. We'll, we'll find out later uh, about you playing Hades oh, yeah. and how many hours uh, you put far into out. it. And that game. Were, were you up to like 2 a.m. playing? Yeah, 2, 3 a.m. It's all back. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, why don't we join? Uh, jump into our first uh, headliner, yep. which is the hands-on with the Xbox Series X. So, 
like an insanely numerous amount of content creators and we we're not one of them um were okay. able to uh like received uh, xbox series x from microsoft directly like it felt i don't know how many are out in the wild but even just random a lot. youtube creators that i like they're like oh, i've got an xbox series x i'm yeah. like wow okay this is this is thousands of units that they've pushed out into the world um and you know, they're, you know, I can hear, because I've been hearing a lot of podcasts where people have got them and they're sort of like, oh, I can't talk about this or I can't talk about that. And there's like rumors about it being too hot, which are unsubstantiated. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people are like, oh, no, it's not, but I can't talk about it. <laughs> but uh, the most, the funny thing about the Xbox launch, and I want to get your thoughts on it, mm-hmm. is there's kind of like no games coming out for it, really. No, I can't think of anything. You know, there's nothing like... Hey, this is a game that's coming. Oh, you know, even Miles Morales, right? It's like, oh, okay. There's a chunky game that's coming out that, you know, a lot of people would want to play. Mm. With Xbox, I'm a bit like, you know, Halo Infinite was meant to be that game. Yeah, but and it's delayed, all but... the coverage, yeah, all the coverage is like, hey, how cool is this quick quick resume feature where you can switch between like six games, five or six, which is six pretty games. cool. It's cool. Backwards compatibility, like, yeah. things are running faster, but. It's sort of a bit like it's genuinely like you do not need this at at launch. Not not right? at launch, absolutely not. So mm. I, I mean, I don't remember when the Xbox One came out. What games were at launch? To be honest, even though like I said, twenty thirteen. What what was games? It? All I remember is the box that I got had FIFA on it, and that's probably one of the few games I don't actually play. But I think there were other games at launch. I just are really struggling to remember now because there's been so many games since. But well, but there's there there are launch games. I mean, like with the Series X, like as far as I understand, like almost all the games can be played on the Xbox One. The ones that are coming at launch, yeah, yeah. So I guess what's the point other than just being an early adapt adopter, an early adapter? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, and like you know, for some people, you know, if it's exactly like what they love to do, I do get it. Yeah, it's not that I'm not understanding of it it's just kind of surprising to launch like that i, I agree yeah. and I, and again you know halo infinite is the one right like was meant, meant to be play, the one yeah yeah I, it'd be playing so much better on a on a xbox series x hmm. so you know but i guess like, that's the thing the backwards compatibility is probably going to be a big thing so if you're able to get your hands on an xbox one i actually try to pre-order one even though Strangely enough, I went from, hey, I got to have the Xbox One X uh, when they came out or the Xbox One when it originally yeah. came out to, eh, I don't really care about the Xbox Series X at the moment. Uh, it's probably also because I'm into PC gaming and stuff now a bit more. But um, I, I, I just, I think the backwards compatibility thing is still kind of a good selling point. If if a lot of titles that you currently own will run better on the new console, it's mm. worth the upgrade. I mean, I know EB Games, for example, here in Australia, they did the deal where you got 350 bucks off of something when you traded the Xbox One X. So, yeah, you mm. still pay another 350 bucks on top to be able to get your hands on the console. But for a lot of people that have that sort of disposable income, getting double the frame rate in a lot of games and having a way smoother experience mm. makes sense. So, I don't think that's necessarily, obviously their marketing angle when they're trying to push the new consoles out. And I don't think they even need to do marketing given that it's sold out literally in seconds. Um, I, yeah, I try to get yeah. my, I went, I went in the original pre-order when it was available 
it, it was. Oh, so you did try to. Oh, order absolutely, it. yeah, yeah. It was in my cart. <laughs> I like. I like how you're kind of talking about like, hey, I don't need this. I, well, like, I, I, I really want this. It. It's like I tried to order it. I don't. Want, I don't. I don't want the fear of missing out. <laughs> so, so no, no, because oh, mostly because they had they had the really good trade value, and I figured I've got two Xbox One X consoles. Um, the second one, which I got relatively cheap, which I think I traded in the S for. So it's like, it's a trade that goes into a trade. And I was thinking of using that to trade towards the, uh, the new console. But mm. anyway, I, I went on there and I was there when the actual pre-order started. I had it. I had the page open. I was logged in. I had my credit card details pre-filled. Um, everything was, you know, good to go. Put it in the cart. Yeah. Couldn't check out. And it was just nonstop screws up after screws up and it didn't go anywhere. So I tried again in the second batch, same deal. You know, the people that got it, absolutely lucky. So they don't even need market. They don't even need launch games to sell this console, at least here in Australia. Like, it just they literally don't, sold yeah. straight away, like the proverbial hotcakes. Um, and I think mm. maybe the backwards compatibility for some people is the current selling point. If, if it can play my current games way better than the current console does, I'm sold. Because normally I'm not at all a big fan of, you know, when people take their PS3, trade it in to get a PS4. I'm like, oh, don't do that because there might be, you might want to go back to the PS3. And, you know, it's not backwards compatible, right? But with this, it is kind of different because Mm. Xbox is so good on the software side as well as the hardware side of backwards compatibility where it's like, it kind of is just like an upgrade to a One X, but it is the new seri- new gen as well. Yeah. Like, it's kind of incredible. I, I think it'd be pretty cool. And look, eventually I'll get my hands on one. Absolutely. If anything, just to play the current backlog of games that I have a little bit better. <laughs> but I did, mm. I did also pre-order the PlayStation 5. That one I actually managed to get my hands on. So, maybe they had more stock. I doubt it was an issue with... No, I don't, I don't think so. Well, I don't... I think it's that... That one, no one knew it was going up. Maybe that's in the why way it went up. Yeah. So well, I had a mate who messaged me. And you were like, me. I didn't know. I, I actually didn't know about it. A mate messaged me. It's like, hey, I just pre-ordered this. Uh, and I went, oh, you know what? Mm, yeah, all right. Screw it. I'll do it as well. And I managed to get in. No problem. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. And I think this is maybe a good segue to talk a bit about it. the PS5 teardown. Yeah. Let, let's get into the teardown. Yeah. So, um, Sony uh, during the week released, and they they promised they would do this, which I thought was kind of a bit odd, but they promised that they'd do an official teardown of the PS5, yeah. and that's exactly what they did, and it was quite uh, mesmerizing, really. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've watched it, it. I did, yeah. But it's just, yeah, it's pretty relaxing, and look, the console looks ridiculously huge. Oh, it's, like, it's it massive. So, so let me, let me just quickly butt in. I recently mm. got into small form factor PCs, not... Like the current one that I have, I wouldn't call it a super proper small form factor. It's I'm using the H210, the NZXE H210 case, which is pretty big for an ITX case, but it's still on, you know, except an ITX motherboard. Um, compared to my old PC, it's tiny. It takes way mm. less desk space. And I recently also got my hands on an, a Cooler Master NR4 um, 200, which is more in line with proper small form factor PCs. And now I'm at that stage where I highly doubt I will ever go to a big case again. I just don't see the point. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, n- n- not to go into a whole rabbit hole. How, how do you think, how do you, f- 
How do you fit in like a 3080 in those? Though? You, you can fit them in a lot of them. Yeah. A, a lot of them really? have no issues fitting them. I mean, it's a lot more fiddly, especially if you want to do water cooling and stuff as well. Some cases just <laughs> won't work properly. Some cases you're going to have mm. issues being able to put a radiator and a graphics card in at the same time. It's, it's, it's fiddly. Um, but I mean, I've tested a few different cards, for example, in, in the one that I have, the H210. My 2070 wouldn't fit. It wasn't the length that was the problem. It was actually the height. Because uh, it, oh, it's the girth, exactly. Five, five inches, but it's thick. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, you started it. Uh, and, um, and yeah, my, my 2070 wouldn't fit into it. So I actually had to move to a different case after that as well. Um, but I, uh, I still yeah, wouldn't yeah. go back. I just think the, at least personally, the benefits of having a much smaller case that takes up way less, um, room on my desk far outweighs, you know, the benefits of being able to, I don't know, have an extra PCIe slot that I never ever used in the past. I only ever had one graphics mm. card, um, on my motherboard and that's basically it. Um, I run an M.2 drive for the OS and a bunch of other things and then a separate drive for gaming. So hmm. I don't think perfect. it would work for me because I've got already one capture card and I was thinking about yeah, exactly. getting another thing in there. You'd so. have to go USB but or something. Direct, the PS5 would be bigger. Well, than so your... here's the thing, right? The PS5 is now bigger <laughs> than my PC. That's mad. And, and it's weird. It's it, every, Everything's completely turned upside down because traditionally consoles were much smaller. And yeah, definitely the Xbox One X uh, is way smaller than any PC that I have. And I actually think it's amazing from, you know, even the Xbox One, even, and of course, the new series, the amount of performance they cram into those things, especially now that I've had more experience trying to cram that level of performance into a small form factor PC, actually blows me away. It, the engineering and the design is amazing. It really is. And I know it's all custom-made stuff. It's different than, you know, having standardized parts that you need to piece into your own case, like like a, a little puzzle. But it's still, it's just amazing. Mm. Like, kudos to the engineers that create, these th- create those things. Um, mm. But yeah, now I have no doubt that that console, looking at the specs of the size and stuff, is bigger than my actual PC. At least, you know, in height and stuff. It's probably not as fat. But yeah, it's it's nuts. I don't even know where I'm going to put it. To be honest, I don't have room in my cabinet for it or anything. So, well, and you know, from my perspective, I think both of these consoles they just look terrible on their side. Like they they look like they're definitely designed to be upright. I think they're designed to definitely be upright, the PlayStation from a at the very thermal least, yeah. Perspective and thermally yeah. as well, yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, no, but the Xbox looks horrible because you've got the little logo, and as far as we understand, it's fixed. Mm. So if you put it on the side, it's it's off by ninety degrees. Yeah, but I mean, come on. Which would just in, in, th- in theory that would drive you nuts. But after a while, no, you're not going to care. It's nah. the same as it's the same as having RGB on your PC. I don't know. People are gonna are gonna hate me for saying this. And hey, I'm I'm a fan of RGB. I, I have to admit, you got a lot of RGB I do, on your PC. But what happens is I spend a ton of time setting it up, making sure it's perfect, colors match, it's in sync, all that jazz. And then a week later, I turn it all off because it's distracting. I don't really care about it. <laughs> electricity. It's crazy. So it's kind of the West same the- thing. You, you, honestly, if, 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 <laughs> if a, an Xbox button is going to piss you off because it's 90 degrees off, you might want to reconsider the things that, you know, trigger you in life. 
unacceptable i'm allowed to be pissed about literally it. <laughs> unplayable huh <laughs> yeah, it's literally unplayable and the other one about the xbox i know we were going all over the place yeah. i didn't realize that the you know the top bit with the mesh yeah i thought that was like a, a light or like a subtle you know like a, a light but maybe not super bright but it's illuminated but i didn't realize that green part is just painted on i didn't realize that either holy moly that's just paint interesting like, that's just, okay. yeah, color. <laughs> I was like, mm, kind of feels hmm. a bit tacky. Everyone says it looks good. I, I probably would look good, yeah. It just feels person. a bit tacky to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it's just going back to the, the PS5 teardown, yeah. like, the things that stood out to me um, is is the sort of liquid metal yeah, cooling, which that's... hasn't really been done in production as no, far as we've I seen can't before. Think of, well, certainly not in consoles or anything. Mm. I don't even know any, you know... PCs on the market that have that. It's always been what I thought. I'm not at least. aware of it in the consumer space. No. Yeah. Um, the only the only thing about it. So, I I you know I've used these heats and compound on uh, all the PC builds that I have, and unfortunately, I've had to tear it down and pull apart and rebuild the PCs that I've done over the last few months, probably twenty times now. Um, mm. fortunately I haven't once forgotten to apply thermal paste. And on that note, actually, I'll just quickly interject. I was playing the PC building simulator on steam yesterday. I think it was, <laughs> and, God. uh, I'm playing it, playing it. And I'm building this cool custom water build, uh, just to, to fiddle around with it. And this <laughs> achievement pops up. I'm like, what is that? And it was an achievement for forgetting to apply thermal paste before assembling everything. <laughs> like, ah, rookie mistake. <laughs> Um, so anyway, oh with liquid metal uh, from, I, I don't personally use it, but, uh, you know, I've seen stuff about it. Gamers Nexus did quite a good teardown about it and, and quite mm. a few videos on it and they use it. Um, I think they used it on their overclocking for the recent SLI 3080, um, or 3090 videos that they did to try to get the, yeah. the high benchmark scores. And I find at least personally, it's very fiddly. Because it is conductive. So if you screw up and you don't cover the parts correctly and it spills over, you could short your entire chip. Um, whereas, you know, with, with normal thermal compound, you can slap it on and it's not really going to do anything too bad other than it just gets messy, really. Um, but the fact that they use it in the PlayStation is interesting. And I don't know what the life expectancy of using liquid metal is on on parts like that. Um, I know generally the people that I've seen kind of apply it and they, they remove it and put it back on sometimes after a prolonged period mm-hmm. of time. I don't know enough about it, so I can't comment whether that would be an issue or not compared to just standard thermal compound. But I would imagine if Sony applied it, surely it's probably fine, you know, for a long time. I feel term. like this is one of the things that Sony does that, you know, whenever they launch a console, they'll often have stuff in the console that, is only in the first generation and then they remove it in subsequent generations. Yeah. That's so like with the PS3, they had, you know, basically almost like a PS2 within there. Yeah. I remember like that. They yeah, had yeah. A hardware the one, yeah. That had proper hardware. Yeah. And everyone wanted it. It was like yeah, a hardware emulation. thousand bucks more. And they never had it after that. Yeah. They never had it after well, that. Well, they also so, probably realized, I, th- I think the difference is maybe with that one is, I don't know if it was necessarily strategic to take it out or it was a case of you know what not enough people actually use i think the that's backwards the compatibility and i think that's yeah. why they don't care so, that ps5 is only ps4 because i think exactly. people say that they want that feature but i don't think it's as used as much they as they much, actually no. yeah in <clears> fact and then the other one yeah no, i was gonna say i i 
I, I, I have a relatively limited number of friends that play PlayStation, like probably about, let's say, five or six in total. Um, mm. And none of them ever told me once that they've ever put a PS3 game on or considered playing it again. So there's just, oh, there's yeah, just too yeah, much good stuff yeah. coming out. <clears throat> Plus you get a lot of remakes, you get a lot of remasters. Um, there's access to older games. Like, you know, when Final Fantasy came out, um, I'm, I'm not talking about the most recent remake of number seven. I'm talking about the one before that there was a remake of a remaster. What, what would you even call it? A higher resolution version of the original PlayStation title. And yeah, yes, it, you yeah. know, you can still get access to those kind of games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a very niche, I think, capability for people that more for nostalgia's sake than anything else want to be able to go back and play one of those games. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. it is they just want to, in the back of their mind, know that that option exists. Even if they'll never actually do it, they know that they could do it if they really wanted to. Yeah. And just with the teardown, <clears throat> two other things. Um, one is the user replaceable SSD. Yeah, that's which I'm actually a cool. huge fan I'm a of. Fan, yeah. Like, I'm not a big fan of having like a proprietary port at the back of like the, the Xbox. Xbox Series X. Yeah. Well, it's cool from a consumer perspective because then anyone could do it. You just plug it in. Yeah, but, but I'd actually much prefer is... the PlayStation version of it. So what I having that? Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, like you said, from a consumer's perspective, it's a lot easier. You go to the shop, you fork out. In Australia, it's like 350 bucks or something, isn't it? For one terabyte. Which is like probably reasonable. I mean, um, it's a terabyte given, of ultra fast Exactly. SSD, so given like, the type of drive that it is, yeah. yes. Given having a terabyte worth of space, you could get cheaper elsewhere. And if we're talking about games that require that level of performance, um, that's different to I'll just get a slight slower SSD that will take longer to load, but probably not by a significant enough amount for me to justify, you know, the the price hike and having to pay 350 bucks for a proprietary piece of uh, mm. hardware. So I don't, I don't know. But at the same time, I, having the flexibility is really good. Being able to open and go, hey, I'll, I can put in whatever drive I want. And you can get decent drives well, that well I don't think it's I don't think it's whatever drive you know what I mean like, compared to that compared to having to go Sony get a hasn't been really clear on one. like they haven't actually said here's the specs that you need to have for it to be compatible yeah but it's certainly like more open than having a single piece of oh, hardware yeah. that well, well it seems to be at this stage I mean this is also Sony right like don't forget <laughs> all the stuff they've done in the in the past like they've always tried to have their own you know, memory sticks and things like that. Yeah. And the Vita was probably the most infamous example. Yeah, they had their own. So, you know, I don't put it past them that they sort of do some weird thing on the hardware and software side and say, you have to have this specific branded version of the SSD. It's possible, yeah. But I mean, given that I mean, it's, that it's an happen. extension of, mm, we'll see. It. I think it's unlikely and I hope they don't do that. Yeah. I think there'll be a really error, big error on their part because they might as well have made an external one the same well, as exactly, Xbox yeah. Series X. If they go and down and I do there. wonder though, and I haven't I haven't read into this, whether they still support external uh, just for the easier option, you know, plug no, and play user they existing do. drive. They do. So both of them okay. do. Um, it's just that you can't use that external hard drive to have uh, like next gen games on it. All so right. Interesting. I think with both, you can have... PS4 games or Xbox One games is that actually on the external hard drives. A, a hardware limitation? You think is there not enough bandwidth for those games, or is it purely to force oh, no, no, people definitely. to no, go no, and, but... and buy? No, because if you think about it from a developer perspective, if you're you know developing for the next hmm. gen as part of the spec, 
the SSD is there. So you you, you don't there shouldn't be any requirement as a developer to check yeah, whether course, there yeah. is an yeah. SSD That's or right, whether yeah. it's a small hard, hard drive or whatever. Hard drive in, of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's the number one innovation of this generation. It's like mm-hmm. every game that comes out on the PS5 and the Xbox Series, you know, there's going to be an SSD on yeah. board, so you're going to do things. Oh, it's a huge, it's a, it's a huge game. Games. I mean, I've been running yeah. most of my games off external SSDs on my consoles. So I have um, on the Xbox, I'd have a one terabyte Samsung SSD that I, I plug in, and all the games go into that. And on is it faster than the Xbox? Yeah, like native. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think it's way faster than the mechanical drive. First of all, any any SSD should, in theory, unless there's you know other issues at play, um, be faster than loading stuff off the drive. But that used to be the case. I remember when um, when there was USB support for the Xbox, and I don't remember if this went as far back as the um, the Xbox 360. At one stage, it was actually faster to have games on a usb drive than it was to have it running off the internal drive <laughs> um so That's and now cool. now obviously because it's an ssd um I, I found games were just loading faster for me running off the external ssd yeah, so okay. i had that for the playstation i didn't know well. if it was like limited yeah uh, I mean, it, the problem is now it's also hard for me to compare because i've had those ssds for, for quite a while now that i've never actually seen what the speed is like running off the normal drive i don't think it's probably mm. going to be significantly different but you know i've been lucky enough i guess to be able to use those ssds for a while and i remember you know going back to um the not the last pc that i built but the last proper major build that i did back in 2011 or something um when i switched over and started using ssds for windows it it was mind-blowing how much faster everything was yeah, loading into it. I think SSDs have been a massive innovation oh, huge. In, tech in general. I mean, you know, obviously, other than the given when you you know the the inv- improvements in graphics card and all that hardware, um, having an SSD has been one of the biggest, if anything, a quality of life improvement. Just just things being snappier, yeah. loading quicker. You yeah. don't have to sit there for two minutes while your OS boots. You know, stuff like that. So, um, no, definitely, everything is SSD now. And- <laughs> And the last thing I just wanted to mention about this teardown, uh, unless you had anything else, was the heatsink. And the heatsink to me is actually my number one <laughs> thing that I love the most about it. The heatsink looks insane. The ent- it's just like, I-, I love it because, you know, they're making, they're going to make, what are, the, what are they going to sell? Like 70 million, I reckon, is the minimum. Yeah. They're going to sell of these PlayStation 5s. Oh, and I would not be shocked if they go more than that. Um. And then you look at it and you go, well, okay, they can engineer the hell out of it because they're going to mass produce it. And it just looks insane. Yeah. It looks so cool. It's like fitting every little crevice oh, and space that they can. The, so many fins. absolutely amazing <laughs> how, they, how they engineer these things. Like I said at the start, yeah. it blows me away. Um, as someone who, I wouldn't call myself an enthusiast, but I, you know, I do build my own PCs and stuff like that. I mucked around building multiple of yeah, them. Yeah, I think it's an enthusiast. Um, I, it, it actually just blows me away, the engineering that goes behind designing those consoles. Absolutely amazing. The one thing that I found fascinating is I, I personally like the look of the PS5. Um, it's sort of reminiscent of that Mass Effect-y, sci-fi-y sort of mm. not quite minimalistic, but I don't, I don't even know. That there's probably a name for that particular type of design. Um, but what I find interesting is how easy it seemed to be to to rip the the sides off, um, and it got me thinking from yeah. 
thermal perspective, whether they're there intentionally to some extent to guide airflow or whether you're actually better off taking them off um, and running your console without them just for, for better thermals. I don't know. I'd be interesting. Some, someone People needs to do that. that. Someone needs to test that. <clears throat> someone needs to. No. I'm sure Digital like, Foundry oh, are going to test that as one of their first yeah. things. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, it, it seems like, I mean, there's been a lot of rumors about this, but it seems completely obvious that they'll have customizable faceplates. Yeah. I'm not that excited about that because they had that for the 360 and I really don't remember anyone being that into it. Like, no, I do know people I that got them. And, but, yeah. Yeah, but it kind of looks a bit exactly. tacky in my It just opinion, never fit in. I mean, I don't know. Horses for courses, right? There's people who... It's a bit goofy. It's a bit goofy as well. It know? is, but it depends. It, it depends on, I guess, what you're into. So, at least with me, up until you know the, the most recent place that I just moved into, where I didn't care as much, I like my things to match and be relatively minimalistic mm. and clean and tidy. And it always felt out of place if I had a console in my cabinet that had all sorts of really, you know pictures on it and all sorts of tacky stuff yeah but on the other hand you know there's, there's different demographics and different people who appreciate that where yeah. the console is sort of the main showcase and they like to have that to look cool and everything else is sort of secondary they don't care if it doesn't match the cabinet or their tv or whatever mm. and, and, and it does seem like you know outside of obviously the next gen upgrades that both manufacturers sony and um, microsoft are heavily, heavily focusing on making these things quiet. Yeah. And really dealing as effectively as possible <laughs> with the cooling. And, and that's partly why they're so large because, you know, you need that large what? surface area to try to cool things Absolutely, down. Absolutely, yeah. So you, uh, you, you must be happy about that because I know yeah. that you were like crazy I, about the fan. I care about... So two things I care about is obviously <laughs> cooling and noise. Yeah. And it they tend to not... <laughs> You know, they go hand in hand, but they tend to be polar opposites a lot of the time. You want good cooling, chuck in a lot of fans. They're going to make a lot of noise. It's going to annoy the hell out of you. So it's always a balancing act. Um, but again, I, I'm amazed at the fact that they get all that performance out of what is relatively minimal cooling. I mean, if I compare my PC to what they have, my PC has one, two, three, four, five six seven fans in eight if you know i had a motherboard that also had a fan for the chipset to cool down eight fans potentially to cool this thing down so and you look at the playstation you know it's it's crazy how they get all that cooling down with so much less airflow and fans but hopefully especially with the playstation specifically i've got a ps4 pro uh and Everyone knows there are noisy consoles. Even if you don't have dust in them or anything, you know, from day one, you can hear that thing wind up and it's just crazy as. Mm. My PC is way more quiet compared to that. Um, especially, I, well, the PC that I built for my girlfriend uses an air cooler and then my one has water cooling. And I run custom ca- fan curves and everything. So it's generally pretty quiet. Um, if I'm doing heavy workloads like editing, yeah, it, it ramps up. But it's still fairly reasonable, I would say. Um, mm. And I think from a PC, you kind of expect that. But from a console that's sitting somewhere next to your TV, you, there's, a, there's a level of quietness that I think people do expect as well. Well, all reports are... like So definitely with the hands-on with the Series X, everyone's saying it's very, very quiet. Um, with the PlayStation 5... 
you know, most people who have had face-to-face hands-on, they haven't mm. had it at their home or anything, but have all said it's like whisper quiet, like you can barely hear That's really it. That's cool. So was there anything else from the teardown that you wanted to Not mention? really. I think those were sort of the main things that I was thinking about as well. All right. Well, we'll go on to our next topic, which is uh, we're fully becoming a PC podcast <laughs> at the moment <laughs> with you coming on board. Well, with me coming which, on board, well, you I might think be a becoming pretty... a bit of an un-PC <laughs> podcast, if you know what I mean. You know, this is a huge story. And I actually didn't have this in the run sheet originally because I kind of didn't believe, like I understood that people did a lot of digging around here, but I still just couldn't believe that this could happen. And effectively, MSI, and through a subsidiary, but it's still MSI, have been caught. And, uh, you know, props go out to a Reddit user, Rugged as F, <laughs> and you can fill in the blank there, um, for really uncovering all of this and doing a lot of detective work. Essentially, Starlit Partners, which is a subsidiary of MSI, which do handle sort of, you know, excess stock or, you know, you've got old graphics cards that they can't move, so they sell them on whatever platform they need to. They ended up selling 3080s and 3090s for like double the uh, RRP and yeah. they were caught. So, you know, when I heard this, I was like, nah, this cannot be possible. This is just like a rogue employee or something like that. And it's like, no, no, <laughs> it's like genuinely MSI have been caught doing this because they've come out and said, you know, they've made a statement on Twitter saying, you know, they basically, you know, it's an apology and a non-apology. Like, oh, it was an error. They had access to this stock, which they weren't meant to, and then they sold it. And now we're saying either you return the graphics card and we give you money back or you we reimburse you for the difference. Which, it's you know, good. to be honest, those people who bought it for like double and now going to get half of it back, they're laughing. Yeah, laughing. <laughs> they're yeah. so ahead. Well, yeah. Laughing is in, you know, they have... They have their hands on stock. <laughs> it's good, given that the no, amount of shortage. Yeah, like but, imagine going, oh, I'm, I'm desperate. I want to get this thing, buying it. And then you go, oh, and, and then you get it. Yeah, exactly. It's, so it's just thanks. like normal RRP. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, so what well, do you reckon? Like okay, how culpable so are they here, here? Here's the thing. Here, here's what I don't know. Um, it's really hard to distinguish fact from fiction because with, with a company that size, it's hard to really tell what's going on internally. On one hand... Maybe they knew about it, allocated a bit of stock, gave it to the subsidiary, knowing very well that there's a shortage and it'll sell like hotcakes anyway. So they'll they'll get a good boost of profit out of that. On the other hand, maybe the parent company wasn't really across that. But because when you think about it, even if even if you know that stock was falsely allocated to that other company, sometimes there's just no systems in place to stop stuff like that. What I find really odd, though, is that the subsidiary was supposed to purely sell refurbished and types of stock that does not fit a brand new graphics card that's out of stock everywhere. So, in the end, the reality is MSI own the whole thing and they're responsible for it. I think they did the right thing. What I wouldn't know for certain is whether it was intentional or whether it was just a screw up and, you know someone stuffed something up and MSI as a parent company had no idea that was going on. That part, I don't know. And they'll never fess up to that. There's probably no way to ever find that out. So, Yeah. And look, like we should also be clear that they didn't, from my understanding, it was like a dozen graphics cards that were sold. It wasn't like hundreds and hundreds Hmm. of what I, like from what I understand. So like it wasn't on a, 
you know, what I'm saying is it wasn't on a scale. Exactly, where you would think, would hmm, okay, they're trying it, to right? get away with something. Yeah. And honestly, if I was MSI and I was sitting there going, oh, look, I've got 12 graphics cards, uh, let's flip them up at an extra profit, it's not worth the risk. I don't think anyone consciously oh, at a high not. level in MSI would have gone, you know what, let's just flip these 12 graphics cards and get a profit and completely ruin our reputation for the sake of what, you know, $10,000 worth of profit? <laughs> Not worth it. No one would actually actively yeah, make the decision. It, yeah, there's no way in hell the board or anyone nah, like that would know no about way. that because they would never do that. It's the most insane decision you could ever make. But it does tell you something about the culture within MSI that under their umbrella, they can have one of the subsidiaries, mm. which is still the company, like, you know, they, they're fully owned, that would do something like this like they're so unethical oh, absolutely it's just yeah so yeah. obviously totally like unethical, I think, yeah. don't get caught doing yeah. this you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean like don't, don't be stupid so i wonder if they yeah. thought they could yeah, get away look, with it because it wasn't apparent to most people that they were a subsidiary that's probably the no thing. i don't think so i, I think know. it's I, look i think ultimately it's kind of true what they're saying you know obviously this subsidiary got stock and their whole business is like trying to get rid of stock, however they can. Mm, but how do they get? You know, because it's all this excess. How do they? You know, excess stock. You, but <laughs> there's no excess of thirty eighty cards. No, no, no. But that, that's what they're trying to say. And I, like, I kind of take it at its face value that they did get access to this stock when they probably weren't meant to. Yeah. yeah. You know, but retailers do this all the time. Like, you know, you'll see it. They'll, you know, there's just taking the Australian context. Mm. So. You, you produce a bunch of stuff, like, you know, uh, consumable goods, you know, like Milo or whatever it is, right? And for whatever reason, during seasonality or, you know, there's weird impacts where you forecast, okay, this is how many units people are going to buy, and they yeah. don't. You still have that stock. So, you know, you'll have stuff like Aldi in Australia, which is like a, I don't know how you still, it's just like a, a, discount, a discount supermarket. supermarket but it's yeah. not like low quality, but it's a discount one. With their own brand. And they'll often have... Well, they'll call it their but own brand, they but sell, often it will right. actually be someone else's brand. They sell third-party yeah. brands, and you randomly see stuff that you think, eh, that doesn't normally belong at Aldi. Or they'll put stickers on it, and you can peel the stickers yeah. back and see that it was like, you know, some Nestle The reject shop do that, that they as of- well. And so, and yeah, you, correct. You can often so, get... They're not expired or anything. It's just excess stock. The, the no, you just buy no, this. Exactly. And buy that, that's, that's what they starlit. That's what they starlit part. But here's do, the right? part like, that I don't get. They, How do you get, quote, excess stock, unquote, of a 3080? No, it, How do you... That's where I take it. I actually do take it as face value that they've got access to it when they're not meant to. Right. And they went, right? oh, here we go. Because we got we got access to some 3080s. Let's just quickly well, sell them. But this is the thing, like they're built to sell whatever platform that they want and get the best price that mm. they can. So that's kind of what they've done with the 3080 and 3090. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, you know, supply and demand hasn't met properly for the 3090 <laughs> and 3080s. Yeah. <laughs> so there's just so many people want them. You want oh, them. Yeah. You got so, me to so sign on up that, to the, the Yeah, but you were just going to get it for yourself. Thing. Let's be honest. Nah, so, I was going to. I, I did so. That. If I got it, I was going to. Hey, let, yeah. let me speak. Uh, I wasn't going to do that. I was going to obviously give you, like, you know, the finger code or whatever it is. <laughs> no, of course I'm not going to, like, buy it and then sell it. Like, oh, really? When you want one. That's crazy. <laughs> I no, nah, trust me. I wasn't going to Hey, do that. what are you doing with all those amiibos you have? Oh, I'll buy and sell them and <laughs> collect them. <laughs> That's different. Yeah, sure. That's different. You, you specifically wanted I that know, thing. I, I wouldn't know, even say You're not that bad of a mate. Uh, I, so, <laughs> yeah, so the, I had my, 
my eyes set on the Founders Edition of of the 3080. Um, I think it looks great. Um, thermals turn, actually turn out to be quite decent as well. Um, but the main thing is I really like the design of the actual PCB or the board for water cooling. So I saw some previews of EKWB who predominantly do water cooling stuff and their version of the water block just looked absolutely sexy. And I thought, man, you can make a really cool build out of this. So I I really wanted that particular card, even though I I think once I got my hands on it, I'd I'd cry tearing that thing down because it just looks so cool. So in Australia, initially that was supposed to come out and I got really excited because it was supposed to be 1,139 or something, which... Yeah, you're hitting us up all the time. Yeah. It's like... He gives a crap about these cards, but yeah, uh, go on. No, but the 3080s, I absolutely want it. Um, what, and especially at the price point, I mean, compared to the prices we we're paying for a 2080 Ti in Australia, it was a huge difference. So, yeah. So I, I got excited about it. And then shortly after, Nvidia decided to just kick me in the butt and say that they're not even going to come to Australia. I don't know what the reason behind the decision was other than I guess they didn't have enough stock and it probably, if I was to think of it from a business perspective, if I have very limited stock of a product, might not be what's selling in a particular region because of the overhead to actually supply to that region in such a short, you know, short supply, um, plus warranties you got to deal with. They probably did their number crunching and realized it just wasn't worth doing, at least for now. So they decided mm. not to come to Australia, yeah. uh, but... They did say after that that they were partnering up with uh, M-Wave to sell them. And then Mm. M-Wave came along and said, yeah, we'll sell them, but it's going to be a raffle. Which, by the way, is a brilliant way to get so many people's email addresses. And, oh, yeah, look, it was a good fair way to do the actual... That's much fairer, But it's also a brilliant way to get people's details. Anyway... So I, I know, I know you're a, I know you're a religious listener to the show because we have spoken about this before. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah no, I, I've, I've said, <laughs> I've said that the raffle is the fairest yeah, well, way. To absolutely do it. was like yeah. you know, especially when it's limited. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything against the idea of what they did with the raffle. Absolutely, especially having gone through you know the Xbox pre-order thing, and then I also went through the whole thing trying to trying to pre-order. Well. By that stage, I don't really care about it as much. Um, actually, technically, it happened before the the raffle. Um, when I went to to look at what was happening on launch night with the 3080s, a lot of websites were down, so I wouldn't have had a chance to get it anyway. So I think you know the raffle, absolutely more fair. But anyway, I didn't get my hands on that. I didn't couldn't get my hands mm. on another one through any other website. Again, sites were down for me. I don't know how people get these things. Um, Luck, I guess, bots, right time, I don't know. But in the end, don't particularly care. I'll just wait now. And it was interesting because um, obviously, you know, they had had those uh, crashes that subsequently happened to some people, which they Mm. think was because of higher boost clocks and using correct capacitors and a mix of that. NVIDIA obviously subsequently released drivers that fixed a lot of that, but... It's still, you know, you read reports about stuff like EVGA saying that they knew that there was a problem before launch, hence why they delayed some of their cards and they fixed the hardware. So I don't know what it is in the end, but, you know, 
pros and cons. Awesome when you get your hands on a cool new piece of hardware. Sucks that you're just going to have to deal with all the issues that haven't been ironed out yet. So, yeah, yeah, it's been a really rocky launch for. You know, honestly, this is the most excited I've seen people about graphics cards. Yeah, I've never been this honestly, excited since before. I was a kid. It's, it's weird. Yeah. I never thought I would you know care when they had, about like, something the like FX that. ones and everything. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. yeah, when the yeah, it's like way back in the day when they first started introducing it, and it's like you, you know, I remember Quake and stuff like that, and then they actually rewrote Quake so they can take advantage <laughs> of the new graphics cards, and it was like the Voodoo ones and stuff like that, Voodoo FX. It was like, wow, okay, that's a huge yep. leap. But yeah, no, it's been a really rocky launch. That's super rocky and I think launch. it won't be until twenty twenty one before it, you know, really stabilizes. Well, it's not a surprise. But uh, mm-hmm. let's get. I was just going to say let's let's get into our our final let's headliner, which is the reveal of Rambo. Okay, wow! <laughs> <in> Mortal Kombat <laughs> the 11. crowd goes mild. <laughs> no, it, it's so cool, okay, dude. What okay, are you talking okay, about? Okay, sure. uh, sorry, so I should this, I should probably okay. mention surgery real quick. I play a lot of games. I play fighting games too. I just suck at fighting games. So it's so a yeah, running we, we joke say that I bag we, them out, even though I appreciate what they are. I'm just kidding. Right? We, we should uh, we should let the audience know. Like, so I would say you naturally are the best gamer that I know. It's like if I just throw a game at you, you just bloody excel at it. Like games. I remember, <laughs> I'm not like bad at games. Like we used to play like COD Four back in the day. And I'll be like second on the list of, you know, our team, but you're always number one. It's like, I can't even get anywhere close to it. And like Gears of War, there's a funny story about you hunting me and Swinney down in a death match. And it was just like embarrassing. But um, yeah, that was crazy. Can I just quickly say, because you did mention Rocket mm. League. So I ended up playing against Swinney and two of our other mates on a three versus this one match. This was last match. when he was in hospital or a different... No, this is how he got hospitalized. Oh, this is how, what, hospitalized him. Oh, my God, okay. <laughs> and, and I was able to, like, quite comfortably beat yeah. them, right? Three on one, right, in Rocket League. And so when he's played it a lot, um, but he was so demoralized. Oh, God. oh yeah. <laughs> he actually put the controller down. to hospital. And stopped wow. playing. He stopped playing. <laughs> no way. And I said... Did yeah, he really? did. And I said, this is like, and he refuses to play it like that now. He never wants to play 3D1 <laughs> again. And and I said that this is the closest thing to when Mike was hunting uh, us down uh, in Gears of War multiplayer, yeah. like two on one with a pistol. <laughs> and we were like, no, daddy, stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what it was like. It was crazy. But getting back to Mortal Kombat. Yes, you're not a fan of this. You don't no, like games that you're not. No, good no, it's at. not that. I mean, you're, you're a, I like, you're a I like all you're sorts a of different sport. games. I just, I guess I never really. Look, if I if I played fighting games, I'd probably get good at them and I'd be fine. I don't see why I wouldn't. Nah. I think I just don't play fighting games. It's something about it never really... I mean, I, look, I played all of them. I played everything from the, you know, maybe not the, the arcades, but Street Fighter 2. Um, <laughs> I used to play... Oh, man, what was... Sure, what sure. was the name of that? The one with with those robots, man. That was really cool. One must one must fall. <laughs> That's it. One must fall. That was one of the coolest fighting games the ever. Uh, I like you go from the most well known fighting game to ever, the most to obscure. It was. It's not that obscure. You look it up next time. I'm pretty sure it was called One Must Fall. It was a really interesting game. I played. Uh, what was it? Rage, the one with the the big gorilla and the dinosaurs and stuff. Mortal Kombat. I grew up on a lot of those games. I just don't think I naturally kind of really massively got 
into them as as a genre, and I don't I, I don't really know why. What what's the rage? I've never heard of that as a fun yeah. Name. It was primal, primal rage. rage? That's or... it. Primal rage. I was thinking <laughs> rage. Of, of rage is in the latest rage games that have come out. Um, so this announcement is pretty cool. So it, you know, like in the very very classic nature of traditional fighting games, where you release a base game and then you release like an ultimate version of this yeah. base game. So <laughs> Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate, which also is going to come out on next gen, which is pretty cool yeah. actually. Uh, it's coming out on the 17th of November, but they've they've already had uh, a couple of DLC packs. So, so, so hang on a minute. So the Terminator. So, wait, let, 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 so just a sec, let me get this straight. So Mortal Kombat Ultimate still has Mortal Kombat 11 okay, Ultimate. Okay, Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate still has extra DLC you got to buy on top of the ultimate package? No, no, no. No, I was okay. getting to that before you interrupted. I love interrupting you. I love <laughs> so, it. Ul- yeah. Hey, ultimate hey. incorporates... Co- hey. Go Nothing. On. I just wanted to interrupt. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate incorporates Combat Pack 2, which has got Rambo, Rain, and okay. Melina, and then Combat, Combat Pack 1, and then the Aftermath expansion. So... The notable characters that they added were the Joker, Spawn, <gasps> T-100, like the Terminator, cool. and uh, what was the other one? Robocop. So, like, it, to me, it's so sick, these characters that they've added to Mortal Kombat 11. I actually really like debating picking it up and playing it with uh, some of my mates, because I know that one in particular. I actually have it. a copy of it, so I'll be up for it. <laughs> you can use me as a yeah, ragdoll, no, so. I- <laughs> <laughs> but I'll just probably pick up the ultimate version. Um, but yeah, it's really, really Look, cool. I, like, I have to admit, Mortal awesome Kombat's... characters, the fact that they've included all those. I'm, I'm a huge Span Fawn, a Spawn fan. Span Fawn. Whoa. <laughs> Dyslexic much? Spawn fan, yeah. Same <laughs> am I. I love Spawn. Um, I'm looking forward to the new movie. Uh, so it's, so, so the fact that, you know, characters like that, that are pretty unique are added into it and they're part of the massive characters in pop culture is really cool, I have to admit. Although they need to add Rocky. Yeah, no. Just so he can... Do a fatality and then go Adrian against Rambo. Adrian! Well, then there'll be two sly characters. <laughs> what are you talking yeah, so about? So what? It's different characters. <laughs> Adrian. Uh, and there was there was a rumor that Ash Williams from uh, the Evil Dead was going to oh, be in it. That'd I be mean, a cool character. Cool, yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. I'd be I'd I'd pretty much almost definitely that'd pick be an awesome character. That, Do they have the, that was the Predator? I feel like the Predator would make a cool character. I don't recall if they've ever had the Predator. Mm. I mean, they've had other characters. They've had like Jason okay. in Mortal Kombat 10. So yeah, they've had they've had a really cool like you know 80s 90s you know characters they've brought into awesome. the game. Which I, I don't know. I reckon it's so sick how they do that. Was that? But yeah, no. that wasn't that. Um, um, what's that show on Netflix? High Score. One of the episodes looked at Mortal Kombat. Well, looked at Street Fighter, and then also looked at Mortal Kombat. So it was really fascinating to see how it was developed and designed and recorded at the time oh yeah it was really yeah, interesting was yeah yeah definitely. and it had a huge impact when it came out yeah <laughs> massive impact probably shouldn't have played it when i was young no definitely uh so moving away from our yes. headliners into some of the smaller pieces of news but we still find interesting uh this this is a really interesting story so with crucible so i, I don't know if you know much about crucible nope. but effectively Amazon Game Studios was set up, so obviously under the Amazon umbrella, and they had three separate studios. One was Relentless Studios, and they've all been, you know, 
you know, employed with, you know, a lot of people in the industry, a lot of known people, and they've been working on this free-to-play uh, multiplayer game. So, like, a bit of a hybrid between Overwatch and mm-hmm. Fortnite. And so, this game was so bizarre. They actually released the game in a closed beta earlier this year. So, it came mm-hmm. out. It's been in development for supposedly about six wow. years. And one month after they went to open beta, they actually closed it. They're like, no, no, no. It's, it's gone and closed again. And everyone's like, what's going on with this game? Mm. It's so odd. And then there was just an announcement the other day to say wow. that they, you know, in one month's time, they're stopping development of the game. So, uh, I, I wow. can't recall a game that has kind of effectively been released and then unreleased and then yeah. cancelled. Like, I cannot think of one Not, single game yeah, in even, that category. Even smaller titles on Steam, I don't ever remember that happening, yeah. I must admit, I, mm. I haven't followed so this one just... because, um, as you know, I'm not into free-to-play uh, games. I'm not into... I mean, look, I used to play Destiny, and I think that was more of a, the team thing and the, the peer pressure and the addiction of playing a game like that. But when it came to repetitive yeah. titles that, like Overwatch, uh, Fortnite, etc., it used to appeal to me back in the day, but I just can't do them anymore. I really can't. You're like you're like one of those guys that was fat and then got thin and then Bag just out like all of it. is there on no no look hey it? dude like, oh, no no don't get me wrong oh. each to their own there's nothing inherent well the only thing I'd say inherently wrong with those games <laughs> is the fact that they're designed ground <laughs> up to get people hooked on that repetition it's it's designed to do that of course man absolutely it's designed for that game loop that's probably the only thing I'd hold against them now do I think that they're super horrible and people shouldn't play them hell no like play whatever game you like if you enjoy it um i just it's not it's not my thing anymore it used to be my thing i used to play Mm. cod i used to play destiny i used to play those to death i used to literally that's all i would do every single night when i'd come home um and then i yeah it kind of just doesn't appeal to me personally anymore uh but i can absolutely see like where this is I think where this is important is, you know, obviously Amazon is quite a powerful player. Yeah. Like they're one of the biggest companies in the world. I think they're like the second or third largest yeah, company the in the money world. To... And, you know, I think inevitably Amazon will be the number one company. In oh, the yeah. World, just the way Especially now thanks to the and... lockdowns. So. Yeah. And they're just ruthless with everything, like ruthless with their pricing. And, you know, they, they just want to consume a percentage of the economy. Mm. Like literally that's their mission. Um, so, you know, it, it was always very important to see what they were going to do in the game space. They've, you know, as we covered in a past podcast, they launched their cloud streaming thing called yep. Luna, which absolutely has no fanfare at all. I'm actually like, you know, I think Swinney and I were more interested in it than many other people, given that they can have that Twitch integration. And I think that's where it will live and die. But you know, this Crucible thing, it, we've just kept an eye on it, not to necessarily play it. It's just like, what's going on with this game? It's been in development for six years, and now they just cancelled it. It's just... It's really weird. It, like, uh, I, I really hope that there's some, some interesting yeah, stories that I'd, come out love to know from why. the devs on this and what happened. Is it just... Because it just seems insufficient so uptake, bad feedback. I mean, I, I haven't played the game, so well, I don't it, know. It, but it, what, received, the... it, was received, it was received very poorly, okay. so I didn't play it. But, you know, it was sitting on a... Like it was like sixty or like sixty five, okay. fifty five that kind of mm. range on Metacritic. Um, so it was yeah. And the thing is with these type of games, 
you know, there's so many yeah. of them and you can't Saturated. play that many of them. And you need to have like a, you know, thousands of people playing these games every single Oh, absolutely. Moment, yeah. You know? And you, you need people or, or to else play them work. a significant amount of time. They tend to not be the kind of games where you just jump in, play for 10 minutes and jump out, or, you know, do the story yeah, for correct. a few hours and that's Cause it. Because even... Even with um, Avengers, that just launched, and that has like a you know a massively multiplayer type of component. It's to Destiny it. with Avengers, and isn't it? they they dipped below a thousand players. Wow, that's actually Steam pretty low. Just that's... the other day, which is terrible. Like once you yeah. start doing that, like you, people, because I've had this with games that I like, and we have this problem in Australia because we're in a different time zone than the rest of the world. So you know we're already a smaller audience. So stuff like Rocket League, before it went free to play, it was starting to be like, I, I know everyone I'm playing against because <laughs> I keep seeing their names yeah, all the time. That's how you play. And now that it's free to play, it's massively better. But it's a it's a big problem. Like if, you, if your game doesn't take off. And I think, yeah, given the, the type of game yeah. that this is, it sort of lives or dies by how fun it is to play. And it just didn't seem that fun. And yeah, they just made a ruthless decision to kill it, even though they haven't mm. launched it, really. Like they have launched it and then they pulled it and then, yeah, canceled it. It's just... <laughs> It's very odd. Like I my views on this particular thing. I, I, I'm going to be selfish when I say this. I, who cares? There's there's other games like this in the market, <laughs> and I don't feel bad for a game that from scratch was designed to just emulate those kind of games that just get people hooked. Sure. Um, sell them cosmetics. Sell them extra stuff. It it feels like it was probably purely designed from scratch just to be one of those games. On the other hand, I do feel oh, bad definitely. for the developers that put in all their time and effort on a project only to have been told, sorry, guys, not going ahead with this. I, I generally feel yeah. sorry for them because that would absolutely suck putting all that time into something like this and then it not going anywhere. And, and it's not just that it sucks. It's that from a career perspective, yeah. you know, you've you potentially have invested six years of your career in a game that, it's been yeah. cancelled. Like that's that's rough. Um, and look, like I think what's important about this story is really about Amazon and their space within gaming, and you know their own game studio. They've got their own engine, and you know it. You know, obviously, all the signs are it's not going no, well. They'll, they'll try again. Uh, so it's they'll, something that will. They'll keep try again. I with a company that size, and you know someone like Bezos and anyone who works under him within the gaming space. They know it's a massive market. The gaming industry is huge. Yeah. There's no way you know they they won't persist and eventually get something out that will gain traction. They've got the budget for it. Yeah. They have the ability to hire the right people. They can throw money at whatever project they want to throw money at. Uh, they can advertise really well. So eventually, they'll get something out there that will probably be you know the number one most played online game. Yeah, maybe, maybe, and and let's move to being a truly piece of podcast. <laughs> yeah, you wanted to raise this story, which is the AMD yeah. Zen 3, so the Ryzen 5000 yeah. series. So uh, <laughs> I thought it was going to be the 4000 because everyone's running 3000 series. And then the 4000 series, uh, from my understanding, only sort of got used for OEM. Uh, laptop builds as well never really came up as a consumer chip. So they just announced the Zen 3 architecture. Uh, with the 5000 series Ryzen CPUs. So mostly high-end stuff at the moment. I think the lowest tier that they have is the, the 5600X. And some of the, th there's a couple of kind of interesting things that I think 
came out uh, of this. And you're a Ryzen user. As you said earlier in the podcast, um, I'm a Ryzen user. A lot of the people that we know switched over to Ryzen now. Um, Maybe because we don't, we're kind of balanced in what we use our PCs for. Certainly, you you know, you do editing on them. I do editing on my one. Um, so I needed something that wasn't just for gaming. Um, and Ryzen was perfect. It was lower price. It was fantastic multi um, core multi thread performance. Um, it, it made perfect sense. So I run a, a 3900X on, on my particular PC. But some of the interesting things that I think that came out of this is that, for example, um, they're, they're clearly aiming at intel to try to dominate the gaming market and that's that's the tie-in with your podcast because i know you have a gaming podcast so um i think i think the key thing (laughs) is that amd are switching their strategy to say hey all this time it's been known that intel have been the kings of of gaming um when it comes to cpus and that's mostly i think for factors like the fact that they just have higher single threat performance um but now they're you know coming out saying hey we're going to beat intel and we're going to have um cpus that will be better at gaming they're certainly better than the current generation so i don't know the numbers off the top of my head but it was something like 25 or 28 percent extra gaming performance in terms of, i guess frame rate between the 3900x and the 5900 which is a significant enough boost um from a cpu that's already pretty decent but it was obviously lagging behind intel mm. but what i find interesting is is a couple of other things is They've, they're not including coolers anymore uh, with the CPUs. So currently, even my 3900X came with a cooler. I didn't use it on the CPU itself. And I was actually sitting there thinking to myself, who would actually use this relatively budget? It's decent, but it's relatively budget air cooler oh, on a 3900X. I, I, I'm using the stock so, cooler. It depends I, on I the chip, the but like on the high-end ones, on a 3900X, I don't know no, why you'd yeah, ever use that, that stock yeah, cooler. You'd go, there's, and you could tell, you could tell, uh, and clearly that's what they've done. They've realized that for enthusiasts that buy these kind of chips, and they're, they're premium chips um, in terms of price point as well. They're not, you know, budget um three four hundred dollars they're actually quite quite premium chips now um they know that they're going to provide their own water cooling or custom water cooling or their own massive beefy air cooling solutions so i kind of get why they did that but what's fascinating is even though they dropped those parts and when you think about it getting a semi-decent air cooling solution isn't particularly cheap you know it's still going to cost you like 50 bucks at least um more if you want something decent obviously um they've on top of that, they've also increased the prices. So yeah, you get better performance, but AMD is now not really going to be seen as the value proposition anymore. And I, I think... Well, it still will be. It's not necessarily. Be. It can still be cheaper. Well, that's the thing. Intel. It might not. It's now getting to that Intel price mm. point. And on top of that, you don't even get the extras like the air cooler, which fair enough, you're probably not going to end up using. But... It is it is a point that people will think about that you get less well yeah. you get more performance but you get less stuff for a bigger price. Um, now obviously yeah. we need to wait until these chips come out and then you can see some proper benchmarks and we can see exactly what's going to happen and are they really that much better? Are they coming out? It's supposed to be coming out in November, uh, from my understanding. So yeah. you know soon, um, and then yeah, I'm keen to see you know the kind of benchmarks that we'll see. I don't intend to upgrade. I've got obviously the right parts for it they're supposed to be supporting b450 um, motherboards 
as look, it's probably going to take them until early next year for them to actually get BIOS updates out to be able to support those chips. But the plan is to be able to support, you know, even those motherboards as well. If you're on an older platform, bad luck. But if you're on an older platform, I don't think the motherboards that you have are probably going to be that capable of supporting some of the requirements that some of those chips have anyway i mean when i built my machine mm. i had the 3900x running on a b450i and i got paranoid about vrm temperatures um especially because i was running a water cooler so there was no passive cooling around um the area of the cpu because with the water cooler you just have that block on top and then that's it if you don't have decent airflow in the case you know other parts like the vrm is going to heat up so I ended up getting a different motherboard that I knew had much better VRM to not sit there worrying about stupid stuff like that overheating. So yeah, I'm, I'm keen to see. I don't I don't intend to update to the 5900X. I don't think it's probably worth it for the performance gain, the amount of money I'll spend on an update like that. Um, I might, might as well just try to overclock the 3900 slightly just to get a bit more juice out of it. Well, well, I have to say, like, if you're, if, if one is, one person is thinking about, hey, I might get into, you know, enthusiast level at least, PC, and, you know, switch out of the current consoles and the next gen consoles, early 2021 is an amazing mm. time for that. Oh. You know? You've got, <laughs> like, the 3080s, it's this, perfect. like, just the whole setup. It's just, and they're way more quiet than they used to be mm. back in the day. As Other well. than Coil it's Wine. Just, oh it's actually, Coil Wine. <laughs> yeah that, that's really you, you know what though i think it's also to do call wine's an interesting one just, just really quickly um for, uh, a lot of people know about yes, yes, on it the, for, on the big weekend but PC for the gaming. people who don't know about coil wine it's it's that annoying annoying high-pitched noise you get from certain parts vibrating at a certain frequency and mm. i think the reality is most if not all high-end graphics cards probably have it um, the severity of it will probably depend, but I also think it's a very subjective thing. Some people will hear it less than others. Some people have cases where they don't hear it. Some people have fans running so loud that it drowns that out. On the other hand, I think, you know, for people like you and I, uh, with somewhat maybe more sensitive hearing, the, I, I would hear the slightest bit of coil whine. Um, so like my, my 28, 2070 does it, um, even my old um, HD7850 from, you know, like 10 years ago or something would do it. Um, mm. And I don't. I think in the end, there's, there's not a lot of practical things you as a consumer can do about it other than just to get over it. And it's just one of the drawbacks of having that kind of performance in your PC. Mm. But it is annoying. <laughs> no, definitely. No, definitely, definitely. Um, and, and let's uh, go to a once PC software builder now doing everything, which is Microsoft. <laughs> um, and, you know, they've had a lot of issues with xCloud. And one of the things that we did call out when Amazon announced Luna was, you know, they were going to bypass iOS completely in terms of by, by, bypassing Apple's processes by doing things through the browser and then using the browser as a way to deliver cloud mm, gaming. Sneaky. And now it seems in a, in a, basically it, it sounds like a all hand staff meeting um, that Phil Spencer's like, you know what, stuff it. We're just going to go direct browser um, based solution to get X cloud on iOS. And I, look, even if this is not very good, the way it works, I think number one, it puts so much pressure on Apple mm. to relinquish and allow them on the platform. And number two, 
it just eliminates all the issues that they're having with marketing. Because right now when they talk about xCloud, they have to be so specific about Android because <laughs> they don't want to get a situation where someone's like, oh, yeah. I got it on my phone and it didn't work and I got... I bought this accessory and, you know, hang on, this doesn't work on, you know, on the iPhone. So, yeah, like, I'm kind of glad that they're doing this. And, you know, we've said many times on the show, I think Apple's been ridiculous. I think so, yeah. It it, it just sucks for consumers in the end. I mean, I have an iPhone. I think you have an iPhone as well, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not particularly, I'm not a fanboy or anything. I don't, I got my hands on an Android. I've used Android before. Um, My last one was... Uh, a Samsung Galaxy, so it's much of the same, much just really for me. But it just annoys me that there's certain yeah. things like that that I don't have access to, just mostly because Apple just don't want to do it because they have profitability and other business factors in mind, as opposed to caring about their consumers at that level. So, mm. and the, you know, they've got the lawsuit with yeah. Epic Games, which you know I think they'll win. The that Epic lawsuit. or Apple? Um, and mm. Apple, Apple. I think given the way that their lawsuit structured and it's already in early arguments uh, with the judge, the judge's comments back to Epic were not very positive mm. in their favor for the trial. And the trial's happening uh, early half of next year. So, yeah, it's already really bad for Epic in terms of the news from the judge because effectively the judge is like, well, hang on a second. Apple allowed you to put Fortnite right back on the on on the phone like they actually gave you an offer to say you know what you've stuffed up but we'll let you back on just go back to having the payment through their gateway and we can continue this Mm. discussion and epic refused to do that so the judge is basically like (laughs) like how have you got damages this is self-inflicted and it's just like i was reading through it a little bit and i was like oh god this is bad for epic but you know, and this is kind of what I said at the start when it happened, you know, for me, it was always about a groundswell of, of sentiment against Apple and getting the government to mobilize against them. And that's starting to happen. So there's an actual anti-competitive class sort of like investigation in the Congress Mm. in the States. And they're actually like in there, it's like very explicit saying that Apple is a monopoly for their own system. (laughs) E.g., you know, if I have an app, I can't get it on unless Apple's okay with it. Like, there's no way for me to put an yeah, app on the phone, even though they're a multi-use computer device. We could device. talk hours um, about this, though. The, the thing, the, the thing <laughs> is, yeah. you know, I can see Apple's view as well in terms of security. Um, I mean, obviously, I can see it from the business perspective of not wanting to allow other types of, I guess, payment systems on their own platforms. Um, but what I find sure. fascinating is when you have a company like that that sells a product that they own and create on a platform that they own and create that you need to agree to their terms and conditions to get onto it, that it gets to the stage where the government intervenes to say, oh, no, you can't just basically have your own terms and conditions about this. You need to give people choice. I find it fascinating. I mean, in the end, when you go to buy an Apple device, you play by their rules, but I guess it's down now mm. to the fact that as an average consumer, the government's saying, oh, no, you know, those rules don't really apply. Um, we need to intervene and allow people to basically do, do what they want on someone else's platform. So, I don't know. It's, it's a fascinating topic. I, I, I see both sides of the conversation of the coin. Um, and, and I think, you know, Apple have had big benefits up until this point where they had a pretty tightly 
closed off platform that they would control. And I actually think that's benefited people in general due to, you know, having less issues with with shitty apps. I mean, you still get a lot of shitty apps, but it's tighter yeah. control around the apps that they have. So you're less likely to get viruses. You're less likely to get trash on, on their platforms. Um, there's a lot more weeding out some of that stuff that I think, you know, some a platform like Android wouldn't have. So if you open the floodgates to that kind of stuff, I can also see how that could be a negative thing for consumers in the end. So pros and cons. Yeah, look, I think it's a, it's a balance, right? It's, you know, and I feel like they've gone too far, like in recent years and exerted their market dominance. Well, I guess that's the much. funny thing, and, right? It's like- you know, They always come back. Yeah. Wait, wait, let, let me finish. Like they, you know, they, they constantly say that they're a small part of the market, like they're less than 50% or whatever. But if you actually look at profitability, and the profitability is really what matters Ka- the most, kinda, yeah. they're still no. Well, I don't know if profitability matters. Well, it, money, money it, it is, is, but it's not necessarily because like, in the end, it's consumer impact that I think matters. So if they're running a platform that only has you know twenty percent of the consumer base, even if they have by far the highest profits because they sell their devices at a premium, and those twenty percent of people are happy to pay that price. I don't know if that necessarily matters how much profitability that they have. You know what I mean? I think it's the impact to the consumer that should matter in the end. No, but the, that, that gives you an indication of consumer engagement because there are a lot of people who have Android phones that have them for their grandma and they barely pick them up. Yeah, there's an element of that. Yeah, as, yeah. That's, a, that's, that's a device that's out there and that's the one of the, let's say, on the pie of 100 devices. That's 1% yeah. to Android, you know, that one phone, but it's barely but- used. Profitability, like, profitability is a bit does give well you a bit because, of an indication as to um, iPhones are way more profitable for Apple than than any of the Android devices are for the Android manufacturers. They get way oh, less yeah, per definitely. device compared to what Apple get on their devices. So mm-hmm. it, it it's really hard. I think engagement, as you said, would probably make the most sense if you could compare it properly somehow. Um, but it, but in the end, I think you know, from a consumer's perspective is ultimately what it should matter. What is the best for consumers? Having a completely more open platform or having Apple dictate their terms to their customers? And I guess now we're in a situation where, you know, the government intervenes and and gives orders as to what a company is allowed to do purely because there's just so many people that have their devices. It's a commodity almost. Mm. It's... Yeah, well, like, yeah, and just, uh, like, the final thing on it, because, yeah. like, we should move on. We haven't covered it in the past before, but, you know, it's just kind of, like, concept of, it's like a benevolent benevolent dictator where, you know, everyone's pretty happy in the walled garden, right? And they're being yeah, fair and, yeah, they charge a premium, but they're not being ridiculous. I think in this case, to me, it's just a black and white BS thing where they don't ask Netflix to package up their movies for individual sale and they don't ask Netflix to package up their TV shows for individual sale, but they're asking Microsoft and whoever else wants to do cloud gaming to package up each game as mm-hmm. a separate app, right? Even though... Yeah, they, I agree. Like, it's, it's, to me, it it's just a media yeah, product. Absolutely. It like, is. It is a, it's the perfect analogy. And it's just like, hang on, your rules don't make any yeah. sense. Like, it, it, the only reason why you're doing this is because you don't want to lose out on in-app purchases, all this money, but... You know, just be honest about it. But I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? You like you are exerting your market dominance to prevent people from you know experiencing yeah. things. And for me personally, like I definitely won't get an iPhone mm. next go around. And I'll hold on to yeah. this as soon as it, as long as it lasts. But I'll be switching to Android after this yeah. phone. 
Yeah. Well, let, let, let's move on to... Um, and, and I wish we had Sabrina here because he is the achievement hunter. I'll pretend to be him. Or... <clears throat> Hello. <laughs> so, but this is this is this I'm is a different platform. But talking with from PlayStation, the hospital. Uh, after the <laughs> okay, incident with the blow up um, doll. Oh, I'm so okay. Okay, let's let's move on. So, um, yeah. So PlayStation's achievement equivalent yes. is trophies. What are trophies? Please explain them to me. I'm not familiar with these trophies. And with trophies, you actually have levels depending on how many trophies and the mix of trophies and platinums you have. And it always went from one to a hundred. And they've actually, you know, the PlayStation blog has published something this week and they've already put it into effect from what I've seen, um, where they're remapping it. So from one to a hundred to one to 999. And, and look like to me, this makes a lot of sense because even with PlayStation myself, the numbers just don't progress. Wait, wait, you okay, feel okay. All, like I, stranded. Um, all jokes aside, for the sake of yeah. Swinney and myself, not not well. Okay, he's into trophy hunting. I used to be into achievements. I couldn't care less about either of them now. I, I'm not really familiar with how trophies. Well, he's not no, into of course, trophy hunting. He doesn't even he's, have PlayStation. He's into achievements. How hunting. does? Yeah, correct. For the layman or amongst us, how exactly do trophies work, and what's the what's this one to one hundred thing? I, I legit. Don't know. Yeah. So, you know, with like Xbox, you get uh, like yeah. achievement points essentially like or gamer score. 50 and Gs for up, right? and that's, pressing that's A number. at the start screen. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas with PlayStation, you get, you know, all these like different yeah. trophies. And then some games don't even have a platinum trophy. Like but it's quite, quite more open compared to three, uh, compared yeah. to Xbox. But the the mix of, you know, all the trophies you've received then translates into a trophy level. So historically it was one to a hundred. So, and a lot of people would have like really, really low numbers, like 10 or five. And, and, and it just feels, I think, and I, I think the whole reason why they've changed this is because people were sort of like at low levels and it's that whole sort of thing in gambling where you want to see yeah, the numbers ticking okay. over all the time and, Oh, you know, I'm close to being level, you know, 205 gotcha, gotcha. Okay. rather than, you know, I'm level four and it's going to take me weeks to get to level five. Like it would take people months okay. to go up to Man, the next level. I, I mean, I play PlayStation so, yeah, all it, the time. It's just for whatever weird reason, I never, ever got into the whole trophy thing. I see them. I don't even, I think probably because I don't even have them popping up anymore. So I totally forgot it even exists. I just, which by the way. Did you turn I think, off? The I think I did. Thing? I just don't remember yeah. the last time really yeah. seeing it. I always turn but, it off because so I used to be into achievements and stuff. Nowhere near the level is Sweeney. not as much as Sweeney. Well, not you as can't. Much, not as much as the, the number, number one, one Oceania, Oceania RPG I mean, he, player. He bet. He bet. Jorana from Tonga, who used to be the former number one, he's now number two, obviously. So <laughs> that's that in itself <laughs> is an achievement. So, but yeah, with, with PlayStation, I don't know. And I think I actually, and it's the same as the Switch. I enjoy the experience of not caring about that stuff. I, I'm the polar opposite of Swinney in that sense. I pick a game up because I actually want to play it and I actually want to achieve it and I actually want to, you know, do something <laughs> in it and maybe even clock it or something. Not because okay. it's some carrot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have to defend right, him here. I'm going to have to defend, defend him. Because like even, even, you know, he even sent this to our friend group. How he's, he, you know, his progression oh, it's of amazing. achievements and stuff is like massively yeah. stalled this year. 
no stalled so much this year because he's been playing so much Smash I know. with us <laughs> and Rocket League and all this other stuff, right? So I don't think it's fair to say that he doesn't play games. No, no, he does. No, 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 sorry. He's probably the, the number one I, This was nothing gamer. with him specifically. No, he does. Yeah. He absolutely... I played games with him, uh, co-op. We, we played a couple of games recently and yeah. I he played them, yeah, because he wanted the achievement and he wanted my help with it, but he actually really enjoyed playing the games. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, look, for him, there's the, you know, I don't want to talk for him too much. He's in the hospital probably spinning around hearing us talk about this. But, um, you know, I, I think it's also like, you know, he plays games that he loves and all this other kind of stuff. And then to relax, he does the whole achievement stuff. Like, that's his mm. relaxation. Like, you know, I've got to do these. I've got to do these tasks. I've got to get through this. I've got to keep my number one spot. <laughs> number one in all of us, yeah. Um, I was still annoyed. I was going to reach out to Xbox oh, Australia and like, why can't you have a category for RPG? Because then he'll be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he would, know? absolutely. That'd be so sick. And look, um, don't get me wrong, yeah, kudos look, like- to the guy. It's amazing to be number one at anything. Like, how many of us can say we're number one at anything in the world? No. Nothing. I've never been. Ever. I don't think I've no. ever been number one at anything. So, I think it's amazing. Anything. Oh. Like, anything. Absolutely anything. It doesn't matter what. Pick one thing. Even if it's horrible... It's awesome that you're number one at it. Uh. <laughs> I'm not sure if that analogy really works. Like, I'm the mass murderer. I killed the most hey, amount of people. You're number one. That's an amazing thing. I feel like taking your soundbite. That's an it's amazing thing. amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, look, I think with the achievements, I'm probably in the middle between you two because I feel like you're completely off yeah, it now. Yeah, totally like, You refuse to well, I don't. It's not that I don't look at it. I just Whereas don't, don't care. Like, it's... Yeah, and look, like, I turned it off. I've turned it off on my PS4 because I don't like it interrupting. Like, I'm playing a game or something. And yeah, then it'll go especially and, like, in key moments. Like, you just did something oh, amazing. Exactly. Or, or like, it actually does something that indicates you're yeah. at the end of the game yeah. or, you know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. you've reached the final boss. Well, like, so it's like, oh, your, man, come on. Like, in the moment, dies. taking me out of it. Plop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, correct, right? So, for me, like, I turn it off. But what I do is... For games that I love, like, it's a way for me to go, oh, I can get some more out of the game. Yeah, but you why know? don't you... Because, like, I love playing it, and it's like, oh, I need to do get... these three things. Okay, so here's, here's an example. I've recently been playing um, Hollow Knight, which is ridiculously difficult. Yes. I've it's more difficult, it. I think, than, than Dark Souls. I don't ever remember having that much trouble with some of the bosses. <laughs> really? Maybe it's my playstyle. I don't know. But I found mm. Dark Souls was way easier as a game. And everyone says, oh, Dark Souls is sure. one of the most complicated games. Uh it's such a good gamer, mate. <laughs> no, 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 nothing with that. I'm, I'm obviously not a you. good gamer because I suck <laughs> at Hollow Knight, but I persist, and I don't persist because so it's like a fighting it's like game. A fighting game, basically. Yeah, maybe it is, it's the same. <laughs> or Rocket League, you suck. Um, I, I think, I think, I think what it comes down to, a game like that, is to stay on point. Um, I. I explore for right. once and try to stay on point. I love exploring the game world and going and checking out a new boss and beating a new boss just because of the challenge itself. Because I don't even... Does the Switch even have achievements or anything like it? No, exactly. No. And I have it on the Switch, not an Xbox. So, I'm driven now by a genuine want to explore a game world like that and beat a particular boss just because I want the accomplishment of beating that boss, not because some thing pops up on the screen to tell me, congratulations, you did this. 
And if I go to do something in a game, I do it because I feel I want to go check that thing out or beat that boss or do that thing, not because there's some stupid achievement that tells me to do it. Sure. And I find one thing that it's 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 good as a result of this is I now have the opportunity to go through more of my backlog because I don't find myself sitting there, you know, fin- almost almost finishing a game. And then I look at the achievements list and I go, oh, wow, there's one achievement that I need to get to complete the full thing or I need to repeat the same task for 20 hours over and over again just to get it. And I will waste those 20 hours in the past just to get that stupid achievement. Whereas now I can dedicate those 20 hours that I don't have to, you know, dedicate to some completely non anything in the end. Like achievements really, other than if your name is Swinney and you're number one in all of Oceania, they they don't really give you anything for tangible. RPGs. For RPGs, that's right. Little asterisks. Um, and I find I can use that time to just go experience something else, play another game that I want to play and enjoy. So yeah, look, but that's not what I'm saying. In, like, that's definitely, you know, look, the thing is, Swinney does it and he enjoys doing it and that's his kind mm. of relaxation time. But, you know, from my perspective, it's more like if I love a game, so Switch doesn't have achievements, but, you know, there's some stuff in Breath of the Wild and I adore that game. I think that's one of my favorite mm. games of all time. There's stuff in the game where it's like, oh, you know, there's a completion percentage. And just because I love the game so much, I love the world of the game. It just gave me a fun challenge oh, yeah, to yeah. do in it the game. Cool. Like, oh, can it I can do be cool. It can be absolutely good, things, yeah. You know? But the flip side yeah. is... So th- that's kind of how yeah. I So you're like, you're it. the cool middle ground where generally speaking... Well, well I think cool ground, you are right? in the sense that generally speaking, you don't really care about achievements in that sense but if it's a particularly cool game it helps drive you to play that game and explore that game and get something more out of it that maybe otherwise you wouldn't but it's cool because you're really enjoying that experience because it pushes you to do more in that particular game it's a healthy relationship with achievements i think you have yeah i on the other hand obviously stay away from them completely i think they're a drug that I, I was, yeah, I absolutely was. And now I realize that. So I stay away from it. Like I would stay away from alcohol or if I was an alcoholic or cigarettes, if I was a smoker my whole life. Mm. And, and like, I get it as well. Like I get the little dopamine hit you get when, and like I had it structured that it did give the achievements. I remember because my wife, she's crazy yeah, good at Tetris and she played Tetris effect. And I think she unlocked like all but one or two of the trophies in her first playthrough, (laughs) like just playing it. Like she got such a high score. It was like so insane. Right. And she never played it again. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, but and I kind of get it because even wow. she was getting hooked that, on it. She was like, she still play like stuff popping up and it's like, oh. Is she still hooked on that? Yeah, she just got back to it, actually. Yeah, it was pretty sad because, you know, one yeah, of our friends yeah. uh, passed away and he, it's, yeah, it's really, really sad, man. Like, you know, yeah, he's he was, in our yeah. group chat yeah. and yeah, it's just, it was really shocking uh, him passing away. He's just mm. like around our age. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, I think it was hard for her to go back because uh, it sort of associated uh, that. But yeah, she just jumped back into it just recently after a huge break from it. But she's got like hundreds well, of no, hours same. in the game. <laughs> and she's doing this thing where she's going back and going through time every single day and doing everything oh. she needed to do on that day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There's time. Oh yeah, because you can so. just change a switch and stuff. Anyway. I uh, stopped playing that. I stopped playing that when I Yeah, correct. I mean, I think I, I focused a lot on terraforming the island. 
and my island got to yeah and then i mapped it out i actually mapped it out on a piece of paper and then i ended up creating it close to what i had on on the paper and (laughs) it wasn't final i could have done a lot more work on it but it was close enough to what i wanted that i felt okay i i achieved what i wanted in this game and nothing popped up but i felt satisfied i felt like i did everything i wanted to do in this game it's time to move on to something else so yeah i mean for me that game was really one thing is i regret not having that game digital because i feel like i'll play it a lot more if it was digital because it's a cartridge it's so stupid it's so easy to switch (laughs) in and out but it just it's it's this friction between jumping into it and it already takes a long time to load which is annoying as well um but, you know, I got a hundred and something hours out of that huh. game, which I was shocked. Wow. I never thought, like, if someone said at the start of the year, you'd play a hundred and something hours. I think you're always more than that to me. Yeah, because um, my girlfriend was playing it as well. Yeah, so yeah. Peer pressure, you know. Oh, yeah, once that's again. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we're. we're well, it's it a fun game, and it was very extremely topical. topical. Right? Um, and topical to this yeah. particular discussion, what I found hilarious is the way you and your wife were playing the game versus the way me and my girlfriend were playing. We were collaborating. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. We were sharing the island, sharing resources, dumping <laughs> stuff to each other. We were like allocating, okay, you can have the the fossils today. I will have them tomorrow. Uh, this is your tree. Here's another tree. Oh, I built this really cool thing for you. You two were, oh my God, totally separate islands, separate cartridges. Don't talk to me about it. <laughs> separate, separate switches. switches. <laughs> <laughs> she only visited my island like a couple of times ever. <laughs> yeah, but you guys are in no, the honeymoon phase. We've been together for a while now, so. Oh, yeah, well, like Okay, not that long, but we, we, we know how to share stuff, okay? Ten months? We know how to share without... <laughs> Without yeah, no. getting on each other's nerves. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll okay, check back, in, check back in, in 2030 and see how you. We go, live in right? different houses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're in different cities. cities. We found it was better for our relationship. Which so is like VR <laughs> communication. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's get into the last piece of yeah. uh, PS5 news, which is, and we always get attacked on the podcast when we talk Ooh, about backwards compatibility. Get off the podcast. It's, it's only that. Sony hasn't been extremely definitive about backwards compatibility. They've said it's 99% of games, it's the majority of games. And they've now, which is really cool, on their support page, released a list of every single game that won't work on the PS5 that is a PS4 game. And everyone's like, oh, who cares? These games no one even knows about. Only thing is, I've actually talked about this one game, Shadow Complex Remastered, I've talked about that game multiple times. Yeah, I've got I it on the PS4, game. and it's like the one I know, game right? I would have definitely played on the PS5, and it doesn't work. <laughs> so it's unplayable for me, <laughs> totally. the PS5. Um, no, but it's cool that like they've released this list. It's the weird thing about it is though, and I've I've got it in the video. Uh, if you check out the YouTube stream, they actually also say that do not buy DLC for PS4 games until you've booted the PS4 okay. game and tried it out. Like, if you actually read their statement, it's bizarre. And to me, what it sounds like what they've done is they've literally got some poor sod or some poor team to go through one by one and play every game that they can on the PS5, all the PS4 games on the PS5, seeing if they boot and work to some level and then just quit out of them. Because it seems like... How, why would they make a statement saying that there might be errors and make sure that the game works? Yeah, I mean, it, before buying it, it, any, it DLC. makes sense because 
it's almost dare I say impossible to test those games properly. You assume it does, much in the same way that I suppose you you can assume that if you change the CPU and a po- couple of other parts in your computer, it should still work. You should still be able to play your games because the architecture supports that. But you're never going to know if it works 100%. There could be so many weird little glitches, bugs, and game-breaking bugs as well. So, And you can't go mm. through your entire collection, test it, and test it end-to-end. And I assume they probably haven't put in a certification in place where developers you know, retroactively go through and give their tick of approval no. that their game is supported. So it's No, they of, don't need to do anything. They did, like, that it's would supposed be to work out of the yeah. box, but... You know, you're you're a company that is relatively risk adverse to some extent, and like any business, you need to put an asterisk in there for legal reasons, so you don't get sued because someone you know spent a hundred dollars in DLCs only to find out that this big bug stopped them from being able to play the game. So it makes sense that they would make comments like that. But it's weird that those games mm. do not work. Is there a reason exactly why they they don't? That that yeah that's the, that's the thing that like you know i don't think people have really figured it out yet and i don't think you will know until you get the console in your hands but because there oh, might be more games, have to be more games and surely, i'm pretty yeah. adamant that they've they've just worked this out by mm. trying to boot all the games because everyone sort of thought that it would be like the games with weird accessories and things like right. that wouldn't work but a lot of those games do work because the way their playstation 5 works is you can plug in the oh, PS4 awesome. accessories, but they only work oh, for damn PS4 it. So games. What about stuff like they my G920 driving wheel and stuff? Do you think that it won't work on PS5 oh, titles? So yes, they've they yeah. So it's kind of weird. They have said for certain accessories, so things like that, like the I can't remember how they described it, but it's effectively like mm. niche accessories. So a lot okay. of fight sticks, and then like you know uh, joysticks, but like you know flight ones or like steering wheels supposedly they're going to work for the okay. most part they've got a list but what about like of steering wheels will they work, work? So, do, do they have a list of that somewhere no, no that's what i'm saying like those kind of niche accessories okay, it cool. sounds like they will work it's more specifically the third party jo- like uh right. game pads or the actual dual shot yeah, 4 the will not work, work yeah. for ps5 <laughs> games which is kind of funny because in some cases it's better to buy I, oh, no, I don't think that... Because that's the other thing that they mentioned, that they said that the way that PS4 works, and it's so much worse than Xbox. Xbox, if you have... Like, for the most part, if you have an Xbox One game, I can go buy in EB Games in Australia, Xbox One game, and then get my Xbox Series X and hmm. just put the disc in, and it will just work, right? The way it works with PlayStation, it's so bizarre. If you've bought it digitally on the PS4, you have to search for it on the PS5 store, and then download it and it, it, it's got this thing of like hey you either have to pay an okay. amount or it's a free upgrade and then if you get the disc it's sort of like the same process it's just like weird man like it's kind of mm. not very seamless it'd be interesting to see how know, they compared to uh, once Microsoft. they come out assuming i can get my hands on an xbox yes. one series yeah sorry xbox series x far out it's, i know it's i know it's a cliche it i listen to a stack is, of gaming just, podcasts it doesn't come it's out of terrible name my mouth properly and it's hard to remember the one and the series and the x's and the s's and the e's and the anyway yeah i honestly wish they just called it xbox yeah, 4 like that, or yeah. xbox 5 <laughs> and just skip like i i actually wouldn't mind if they just skipped to xbox 4 and just call it xbox yeah. 5 it's like ps5 xbox 5 okay like if you're a mum and a dad you just know oh, what yeah. it is then I'm... it's like oh you get the xbox you guys one covered you get this the PS... right 
Right now, it's like... So, yeah. Yeah, we have, and it's just like... The fact that people in gaming media always stuff it up, like I'm listening to them and then they go, oh, and the Xbox One X, blah, blah, blah. And then they don't even correct <laughs> each other because it's just like, they don't even realize, yeah. you know, it's so common. But, you know, look, I, I commend Sony because everyone was really nervous about, you know, how would this land? A lot of people were ultra confident. It wouldn't be an issue. You know, they haven't had a great track record with backwards compatibility. And, you know, the fact that it's only a very, very small list, I think it was like 99.75% of games will work. So, and these mm. aren't huge heavy hitters. These are certainly not in the top, you know, let's say probably even 300 or 400 uh, selling games on the console. So I think they've done yeah. a really good job here. And it sounds like they'll keep trying to improve it. So I wouldn't even be shocked if some Absolutely, of these Absolutely, but I think ultimately it's not just like will they boot, it's what happens once they boot? Are there any other weird bugs and glitches that you encounter that will completely break the well, game? And they have said that there there will be. Think there will be yeah, weird errors and stuff and like I mean, that in some games. So that's that's also where it's going to be interesting on YouTube and Twitch and stuff like that when people start playing these older games, specific yeah. titles, and they don't work. But that oh, happens well, on Xbox it as happened well. That happens within on Xbox. the generation. If you look at something like um, Dark Souls, I think it was Dark Souls 3 when that came out. Um, Sweeney would know this much better, or, or two. Even though I played the games multiple times, I didn't have this particular issue as much. There was an issue with um, when they increased the frame rate. And actually, it might have been the remake of the original. Um, they, when they increased the frame rate to 60 FPS, it would cause weapons to degrade really quickly. And yeah, double the speed. Yeah, like well, double I, the speed, it was right? Double the speed in theory. I yeah, don't remember yeah, yeah. if it actually turned out to be realistically double the speed, but it was way faster. And that's an interesting bug <laughs> that you could kind of imagine little things like that might happen with this. So, you know, when I was thinking, when I was seeing the performance boosts of the um, Xbox Series X, you know, being able to play a whole bunch of games at 60 FPS that would run way lower on current generation, it got me thinking about stuff like that. Are there things that are frame rate bound in their calculations that end up, you know, sc- screwing yeah, up because of that? It's a really common thing. Like it happened a lot with uh, old DOS yeah. games when people started getting really powerful Pentium computers and certain things like yeah. the games would be uncapped. So it'd just like be running at like 300 frames I a second. You that. can't even play it. Um, and just on Xbox. So Microsoft are talking about actually um, kind of, it's a pretty cool idea. I really like it. This cause some games are capped at 30 frames a second. So it's kind of annoying because you get those games, then you have this powerful system and it's still running at 30. So they're doing some stuff in the back end where they're going to force the game to run at an uncapped level, right? Now, the only problem with that is it's to your exact point. It's like maybe they've coded these games assuming 30. So then who knows what the the downstream impacts on doing stuff like this. Like maybe you'll get through a game and the mission can't start because certain time... Yeah, or bosses shoot twice as fast because... I don't know. Yeah. And again, like, I'm a bit of a purist. I like playing the games generally on the, yeah. where they came out on. Um, so, like, I'm always a big fan of keeping the console rather than, you know, trading it in and everything like that. Because, yeah, it just bothers me. I mean, look at the Shadow <laughs> Complex thing. Just yeah, you to, know, you know, you know go you back to what get we're it talking on PC, about. It's like... So. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I love oh, that game. That game is so underrated. love it's that game. game. I think I clocked it twice. And... It's so annoying to me because they've actually done the map for Shadow Complex oh. 2. Like, they have it all done. Don't look at it. But they haven't, don't you know, look at made it. the game yet. Spoilers. Yeah. 
No, no, they haven't, pu- they haven't published it, but yeah, I'm just like so bummed out that they actually have that what game ready to go, basically, to start producing. It'll probably take a year right. to do. It's so coming. There's plenty yeah. of stuff in between. I mean, you know, obviously Cyberpunk right oh, around yeah, the corner. Course, That's going to and, and, for a while. Rocket League. Well, it's also like so many, uh, you know, Metroidvanias that are There's a lot, there, yeah. So, I've been playing, you know, I've, uh, we'll talk about uh, it in a bit, but I've been playing a few recently, actually. Yes. All right. Uh, let, let's get into some Nintendo news. So Nintendo this week had their treehouse. Um, so they had Pikmin 3 Deluxe. Sweeney loves Pikmin, doesn't and he? And the uh, Hyrule. Yeah, he used to play it. Uh, I, I don't think he used so. to play not, Pikmin not on, the, super, on the GameCube. Not. Yeah, but he's not a huge fan of it or anything. Um, and then they also had Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. So Pikmin 3, it looks really, really cool. Like... The thing I really like about what they're doing here is they've got a demo. So right now, even you, Mike, you can actually download a demo of this game. And when the full game comes out, your That's save cool. will transfer. And they're also doing this weird thing where if you beat, quote unquote, the demo, then it unlocks the extra spicy mode, which is the super hard mode in <laughs> Pikmin cool. 3 Deluxe, if you get the full version, which is pretty cool. Otherwise, if you don't do that, my understanding is... You have to beat uh, Pikmin 3 Deluxe nice. if you just bought the retail version. And then you've unlocked the That's really the clever, actually. Game. I like that. So it's, like it's a really actually, cool incentive to yeah, download and, and try yeah. a demo and provide feedback. and stuff. It's really good. Mm. And and the thing that I like a lot about this is that there's a new um, co-op mm-hmm. mode for story mode. So it actually, like, and the way Pikmin works, it's, it's probably a cool game to actually, you know, if you have a partner or something like that, to play along with you. So, yeah, like this game, I, I got the demo. I think it's really smart, like getting the demo out because I've installed the demo. It's something that I'll yep. actually have a crack at. And, you know, generally first party titles from Nintendo, I think I almost have every single <laughs> one on the Switch. <laughs> so I'm a sucker for first party stuff. So, and I've never really gotten into Pikmin before. So it's something that I'm, I've got my eyes on and I don't know, maybe Santa <laughs> will uh, be kind to me in, at Christmas. Um, and then the last mm. one, just around Hyrule Warriors. So just again, with the tree houses, it's got Nintendo employees. They play through it, talk through what they're doing. Like that's generally the format of these things. Hyrule Warriors, and I know nope. you're not across this, Mike, but it's the story prequel to Breath of the Wild. So it's set a hundred years before Breath of the Wild and it talks about the story of but it's a fighting the Great game, Calamity. Right? The man... Yeah, so like Breath of the Wild obviously yeah. is an open exploration action game, whereas this is a hack and slash muso. I don't know if you know the hack and slash genre. It's yeah, like yeah. Dynasty Warriors and all those style games. So it's one of those games, but it actually has a stack of the story of the Breath of the Wild. And in this, we saw Obosa, um, and it was in the Gerudo uh, town. And to me, it's like, like I this it sounds crazy because this is coming out when Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is coming out. Mm. I'm like Which looking forward to this game so much. I think this is my most anticipated game. This wow, <laughs> it just like, I didn't even realize you. you well, I mean, I, I know like, you love Breath you know, of the Wild, so I can kind of see this. Yeah, I love it so much, man. And and I did cover in a other podcast that I started playing um, Hyrule Warriors, which was the first you know Muso style yep. game with Zelda uh, as the theme. And I actually really enjoy that game. I think I said at the time that it's a stupid game and it doesn't deserve to be as fun <laughs> as it is. It's kind of mindless, but it is really like just relaxing playing it. But this is like another level because just watching it, like they've tried to adapt so much stuff of Breath of the Wild, like the maps and the areas, but it's set a hundred years prior and 
It's got really cool callbacks to Ocarina of Time. It's just like a real fan's dream, the way that they've done this. And, you know, the big thing that we learnt in this is around um, that Kuroks are in this. So the Kuroks are the little tree dudes, and there's like 900 to find in Breath of the Wild. And they're actually in this game as well, mm-hmm. which is kind of a bit funny. Um, and then there's, it seems like any character that's in Breath of the Wild that is known, so like Robbie and Pura were characters that were in Breath of the Wild, they're in this game. So, if it, yeah, I just get the sense, because there wasn't that many main characters in Breath of the Wild. Every single character that they've got, they get to bring back uh, for this game. And no, I'm pretty hyped for this game, actually. It looks pretty cool. So, yeah, i definitely see if I'll be picking this up either when it comes out or for Christmas. So... I'm I'm super keen, but I'm sure you're going to be playing Hopefully, Cyberpunk yeah. <laughs> in this game. Rain, hell, or shine. Yeah, because it comes out about the same time. Well, maybe, yeah, exactly. maybe. Plot twist. Um, I'll just get the Hyrule Warriors instead. Even though Cyberpunk is probably the oh, most... Oh, yeah, I don't think so. Looking... I, I actually can't think of another game that I'm looking forward to that, other than Cyberpunk. It's probably the number one. Like it is for many. Yeah. Like, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, I don't think there's, like, a mm. lot of games... You know, there's remakes and stuff like that that people are looking forward to, but... A major one, yeah. yeah. I can't really even I'm think of any, for... like... Yeah. Like, there's Halo Halo Infinite. Like, I know yeah. a lot of people are looking forward to that, but we don't even know. know when that's coming out now. Like, next year, but when next year? It could be late next Look, year. I, I know you, got, you um, guys talked about this already, but it, it's good if they just take their time and do what they need to do to feel comfortable that they release a game that people will love. So I know people look forward to it, oh, but of course. You know, like, another you know, few months look- and you get a much better, more polished experience. Wait for it. Yeah. Yeah. Look, and like, obviously, you know, they don't take that decision. Yeah, of course not. Move a launch game <laughs> Especially the launch the game. Launch exactly. Game. Yeah. For me, like, because I don't jump into things uh. when they come out, like, I'll play big games. Like, I'm going to get into... Yeah, Dark when? Zones. When? Been We've been Skyrim. telling you for how many years now to try that game. It, I know. It's probably the best gaming well, series ever made. You know. I mean, subjective, obviously, but Swinney, I think, will agree. So... Oh, I think yeah, it's his favourite it's, Oh, it's absolutely my but, favourite um, series. So, I guess, probably yeah. my favourite games. Well, because... We- We've we've got game of some other year, which is our our funny take on game of the year because we don't mm. play all the games that come out in the year. So we're doing that for 2011, oh, which had yeah, Skyrim wow. and Dark Souls mm. amongst others come out, and Minecraft all come out in that year. Like it might be the greatest year of gaming ever, um, along with maybe like '98 when Half Life mm-hmm. came out and a bunch of other games. So yeah, we are going to go through it, but um. Yeah, I don't know. This this horror <laughs> warriors age of calamity. I'm like so into it, man. When I was watching the the gameplay, I was like, oh my god, I'm I'm actually going to stop watching the <laughs> stuff because I just wanted to surprise me when I play it. <laughs> um, and then just um, yeah. you know, some more Nintendo news. And this is also I'm super excited about. So Super Nintendo World. So this is the Japanese theme park within yeah. Universal Studios, and. You know, this was meant to be open this year. I don't think no. I've mentioned this to you, but uh, we were in, intending to go to Japan. Not not to just visit this, but, oh, you know, I've always wanted you, you to go know, to Japan. You know, I went. I've never been. Amazing. And, keep telling you how good it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. No, no. And, like, probably it's the number one place I've wanted to go, but part of me is, you know, and probably similar to Swinney as well, because he's never mm, gone and yeah. he's learned Japanese is like I actually want to go for a period of time, like yes, six weeks or something do that. like that. And really I had to rush everywhere. You um, want to give yourself some time. 
there's just a lot of cool yeah. places to go. Yeah, and I really want to experience yeah. the Tokyo side, but then also yeah. like the countryside and everything yeah. like that. And you need a long time Absolutely. to be able to do that. I mean, it sucks country. with the situation we're in, so, but you know, hopefully things will improve. Well, yeah, that's the thing. So, like, you know, given that this, this was coming out, like, you know, the Super Nintendo world, and it was kind of like aligning to, hey, let's go to Japan. And then this is coming out. I'm like, why don't we wait? Like, it seems crazy to go early and then miss out on something so cool as this. And then obviously with COVID, they had to delay it. They are uh, launching it next year. So between March and May before the Olympics. Um, So probably not something we'll do next year, but maybe in a couple of years. And, you know, they have announced a deal, Japan, that they're going to allow Australians to fly into Japan. Uh, amongst, you know, I think it's like a dozen countries that have got COVID under control a lot better compared to the rest of the world. Um, But yeah, like, you know, this thing looks so cool. Like there's more and more videos coming out. There's like, it just looks like, you know, a dream (laughs) when I was like a little kid. Like this would have been just like insane. I think I would have been like begging to go to Japan if I was a little kid. Please daddy, take me Um, to Japan. And then that that part of it is funny for me because, you know, my son's now three and, you know, we've got a newborn. And, you know, he's actually starting to go, oh, Mario, oh, awesome. he can recognize the characters and stuff like that. So it's kind of like, I'm a bit like, oh, maybe we should wait a couple of years. five-ish, to, yeah. Maybe he's about five. He'd get more out yeah, of it. Yeah, and then at least yeah. he'll remember and he'll get more out of it. it. Yeah, exactly. Think, and it'll be, yeah. I oh, yeah. imagine for him, it'd be so sick. And he'd probably it's like be going in, into the game. He'd probably play you know, the Switch and incredible. stuff by then as well. Like, you know, muck around with it, so. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I'm I'm glad that they've, you know, reset the date. It it looks really, really cool. I think it's going to be ultra popular. And my understanding is they're going to do one in America as well, in huh. Florida. So, we'll have to go visit there. I know my wife is a massive Disney fan and she wants to go to Disney World, which is, um, you know, obviously in Orlando in Florida. So, given the situation in America, I feel like <laughs> that will be uh, a couple of years post-vaccine <laughs> that we'll be even thinking about going over there. Uh, or even allowed to, right? Because we can't even literally fly there at the moment Correct. without exemptions. So, yeah. So, I'm I'm looking forward to this uh, Super Nintendo world. It looks really, really cool. And then just uh, the final Nintendo news. And this was more just like, for me, shocking. That I, And I'm guessing you haven't been following this whole FIFA situation. But, you know, EA has not been given a lot of love to Nintendo. And mm. in particular, the Switch. Like, many of the titles that they could have brought across haven't. Like, I'm shocked they still haven't brought The Sims yeah, to it'd be Switch. Because I feel like it would go that nuts. would just go gangbusters. Yeah. Like, they I'd would make it. so much money on that. And they, they've publicly said they just don't like huh. the Switch and like what Nintendo does as a platform generally. Like, encoded language, Weird. I'm translating. Um, so, they released FIFA 19. People were like, oh, you know what? That's good they've actually done a version of it. It's like the... You know, it's the downscaled version. It's not the latest engine. But, you know, for people who have only got the Switch, mm. it's something to play. Cool. So, that was FIFA 19. Then FIFA 20 came out. And they had a line in FIFA 20 which said, basically, it doesn't feature any innovations from FIFA 19. So, essentially, what they did is they released a version of FIFA 19 just with an updated roster and called it FIFA 20 and sold it for full price. Right? <laughs> This year, everyone's like, okay, well, they can't do that again. FIFA 21. They literally <laughs> did it again. But this time, they said it doesn't have any innovative features since FIFA 20. Wow. Right? And this has already tricked people. Because Swinney mentioned this to me. And he goes, look at this. This is unbelievable. They haven't done anything since FIFA 20. And I'm like, this is so dodgy. They haven't done anything since huh. FIFA 19. Because if you go to FIFA 20, 
They also say it doesn't do anything since FIFA 19. So they've done a roster update for two years in a row and charged full wow. price to everyone. <laughs> right. And it, to me, this is unbelievable what IGN has done. Because, <laughs> like, let's do. be real. IGN <laughs> is a big company. Like, they always give, like, FIFA games 10 out yeah. of 10 or 9 out of 10. Like, you know, how are these games getting, like, such insane high scores? Other than they have a close relationship, they get a lot of money for advertising. You know, it's not very independent. Yeah. Let's and I mean, real, right? it's also, if you assign but- a person on the team who loves to play those games... It's genuine in that sense. They do give it a 9 out of 10 because they probably think it is a 9 out of 10. But it depends who you, who you ask. It's not like everyone at, at that company will think it's an amazing game. No, correct. And it's like, uh, you know, who they assign, you know, what do they mm. historically give? Like, I just do not believe for a second that they're doing fair reviews Highly, for a lot of these massive like games. It, yeah. But I was shocked to <laughs> see with the Switch... Because other smaller outlets have done this with FIFA 20. They blew it up. They mm. said it was like crap, right? But IGN came out the other day and did their review for FIFA 21 on the Switch and gave it 2 out of 10. <laughs> didn't, wasn't like, the joke uh, comment the, the <laughs> author wrote that if they're going to copy the game, I'm just going to copy my review from last year as well? <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was like shocked at this, man. This is pretty controversial from, for yeah. IGN to do because... You know, like, even when I went on their IGN page, they were actually advertising FIFA 21 all over it. Like, it was their, you know, sponsored yeah, the Switch game. And, you know, they gave a good... Yeah. <laughs> I think they gave a pretty good review for FIFA 21 for, like, PS4, which is, like, yeah, yeah whatever. Hey, they're probably... But yeah, like, I was I just, mean, obviously, like, shocked. for man. the type of games that they are, they're good games. Um, it's... Not yes. something you and I actively play, but I can imagine someone who does play those games. Absolutely rock solid. Um, as an outsider, looking at the tactics that they use on those games and the way they milk money out of their fan fan base is kind of crazy, especially with stuff like this happening. But hey, you know, their strategy probably yeah. went, people who haven't yet bought the game on Switch, they'll pay full price. It's the latest version. People yeah. who already have it, if they want to pay it again, just because maybe there's a couple of roster changes or whatever, go ahead, do it. So, so I just quickly checked. They actually did give it seven for the PS4 version, which is pretty okay. brutal, to be honest. They normally like, and like I said, this is like their main badged advertisement. So this is going to cause a lot of issues, man, with the business side of IGN and the editorial. Well, they have integrity. Side yeah, I'm on the same page as you. <laughs> well, they do split those two functions. That's always historic. Cool. Like That's all good. these kind of big public, uh, big you know outlets. Um, but you know, like for me, like I would actually love to play some of these games, like NFL, FIFA, you know, NHL, because I do love these these games, but their over-reliance on monetization and, you know, like the packs that you open to get good players and all that kind of stuff, it just absolutely uh, puts me same. off these types To of me, games. it's the bane of gaming existence. Yeah. And, and look, you know, good on them. Like, I love business. <laughs> I love capitalism. I think with FIFA, EA makes yeah. about a billion dollars a year off FIFA. Like, no, they're not going to And as long as they <laughs> right? can keep doing it's it just and people are me, willing to pay for it, well... Why would they change? Yeah. I just wish that there was like an arcade version of, of FIFA or, 
you know, something like a bit old school, bit arcadey, and had mm. all the players in it. Because I, I do like that aspect of it, but it just doesn't exist. Maybe eventually that gap in what the market's getting filled. Wasn't Pez Pro uh, Evolution yeah. Soccer the big competitor? I assume that's still around. Yeah, but they don't have um, a lot of the teams, and they've actually lost some wow. more of the teams. It's all really... I kind of love it. It's like they've got weird licensing rules and everything like that. So they had certain teams in, like, Spain huh. or Italy or something like that, and then, you know, they weren't in FIFA. And, yeah, it's it's all complex, but FIFA's the only game in town, really, if you want to play yeah, with the current players. What's like and everything like that. motorbike so, racing games? There's yeah. only one real major one, which is Ride, unless you're into the MotoGP series. And yeah. I got... Yeah, and Ride 4 uh, just came out, Either right? came out or is about to come out. I'm not sure. I, still, I was actually playing number three the other day. And one, one thing that annoyed me a little bit is I got Ride 1, they didn't have my motorbike in it. I got right two. They didn't have my motorbike in it. I'm like, come on. <laughs> they had the 2011 version or something. They didn't have exactly the one I had. And then right three was announced and my mate messaged me and he goes, hey, I think they've got your bike in this one. So immediately I went out, I bought it, um, paid full price or whatever it was <laughs> at the time. I just had to get my hands on it. And then I couldn't actually use my bike because to, to get the bike, you have to complete a series of events in the game for 600cc bikes. But to start that series, you need to get all these awards to be able to get to start the series. So now I'm sitting there like having to do all this crap that I really don't want to go through (laughs) just to be able to unlock that one bike to use. Maybe... No, I don't think you can just pay for it. No, no, no. So what... No, when I went to the actual section to get it, I couldn't find anything. All it said was, you need to complete the series. So I'm like, okay, where's that series? So then I went, looked at the roster of series. There it is. Okay, to complete, sorry, to start the series, you need to have like 56 stars. And you get up to three stars per race. And some of the races are time attack races, which that game notoriously has really hard time attacks. Um so anyway, it's just yeah. a case of playing it, which isn't you know super bad because you get to experience all sorts of different bikes and stuff like that. But I never found, for some reason, motorbike games as polished and as fun to play as um, you know Forza or just about any racing game, really. So you probably know I'm a huge racing game fan as well. So spent count. I've got every single Forza game that's been out. Um, I think I've got a copy of every single. Gran Turismo game that's ever come out, including the original PlayStation one, mm. um, still have the physical disc and everything. So I love those games because I love cars. Um, but motorbikes one just were never really quite as polished. And I find I'm not really getting that enjoyment yeah. out of riding these bikes and unlocking these events. I feel like I'm I'm doing it as a chore just so I can get this bike, which guaranteed I'll unlock by customize to make it look like my real bike, use it once, and then delete the game. So. Yeah, look, you know, like, and we're way off topic, but just on, because I actually checked out Ride 4, because, you know, we both ride bikes, and there is something really weird for me, and it's unfair, just my bias, but with racing games, it feels more natural, even with a controller, and definitely way more natural with a Mm -hmm. steering wheel, right? playing a racing game like a car game than riding a motorbike and controlling it with a controller yeah, or it's, any it's... other device like there's something about riding a motorbike it's so much more, more physical, physical. Yeah, you like you're yeah. leaning your yeah. physicality with it 
than, you know, with a car, which is like, a you know, it, it is an input system. It's like you're turning the wheel, the car goes this way, you know, and it just translates so much better for gaming. And, uh, you know, additionally to that point, your point around, it doesn't feel as polished. That really put me off as well. I was checking out a few of them and I'm like, it just doesn't seem as good as like the equivalent car games. Like they look so Oh yeah, incredible. absolutely. Like the, the, the physics engine and, and like everything. That. Yeah. Versus these games, they're really, really good, but they're just sort of well, like it is, it is. A or something compared to smaller like developers. Level, um, yeah. I think obviously the budget would yeah. be significantly it's a small way smaller market. market, probably. Yeah. yeah. What, what I always dreamed yeah. of is yeah. if they could release a motorbike um, DLC for a game like Forza. I would just love that to bits. But yeah, just do you think that's yeah, that'd be cool. the that'd graphics? Be cool and I know like the that. game engine would be different, but I mean, being able to customize mm. the game engine to take advantage of, of what they've already built up on, it'll be sick. I love that. Yeah. Well, let's let's jump into this uh, <laughs> this really yeah. niche story. A- and this like actually kind of blew my mind because I didn't actually under- know this. So. Uh, Basically, it came out in Famitsu, which is like the biggest publication in Japan's been around forever, that Sony have made a decision to switch the functions of X <laughs> and O on the DualSense in Japan. So I didn't know that in Japan, it actually had a different in- input system compared to the entire rest of the world. And the context there for me is, you know, as you said earlier, I grew up on NES and Super Nintendo, and that, that was kind of my bread and butter. So... The orientation generally is the button on the far right is yeah. like confirmation, right? Which is the A button in Nintendo world, right? And to this day, it's still like that. So on the Switch, most games and the, you know, the core console itself, A, which is the button on yeah. the far right, is confirm. Whereas, you know, when I played my mates, because I never really owned a PS1 or 2, you know, confirm is the X button, which is the bottom button, Right. I didn't know that in Japan, the O, so the circle on the far right yeah. was the confirm button. And I'm like, you know what? Like, damn Sony, <laughs> why did they change it for the rest of the world? It, you know, we could have landed on a standard, which is the far right button is yes. Like, cool. Cause this thing, and I think <laughs> yeah. you have a similar story. This thing bothers the hell out of me, man. Like when I play rocket league, I play it on my DualShock four mm. on PC. Right. And it's cool the way Rocket League works. It actually picks up that I've got a DualShock and it actually puts the symbols in the PC game. Like, you know, X and O and triangle and square and everything. And X is confirmed. Which and is like, a, Even though yeah. I play so much Rocket League, it yeah, it throws <laughs> me so much, man. It would it especially for so a twitchy game like, like that to- where you need the really tight controls. You need to quickly, you know, press buttons in a particular order and stuff. It's confusing as, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's mostly the confirmed stuff that throws me. Like, the game itself, like, I get. Like, I don't ever have an issue. It's more like when I get to menus quickly mm. and I need to rush, I my muscle memory is far right button is confirmed, the bottom button is go back, where it's flipped. <laughs> like, you switch between those two. And, yeah, like, people are blowing why? up in Japan about this. I, I kind of <laughs> see why. Like, they're doing this. I... Well, it's crazy. Like, why did they do it in the first place? Why did they switch know. it? It makes no sense to me. Like, there's a real BS excuse that they said something like, you, I, the context is, in Japan, so in Japan culture and just understanding of iconography, a circle indicates in their culture, like, go, it's okay, it's good, yeah. like, positive, right? And X indicates bad, 
don't go, don't proceed. Go back. So they'll actually use the X and O symbols yeah. all over Japan to indicate like you can go, or you can travel through, or you can go here. X you can't, right? So the X to me is exactly the same as in Australia and in the West. Like if I say a cross, it's like don't go or yeah. it's bad, right? The O to me doesn't indicate like, hey, that's good. I've never seen like an O symbol and thought, okay, I can proceed or it's okay to go. Yeah, it's culturally it's different. Right? Yeah, so that is course. different. Yeah, but I like why couldn't they have made circle <laughs> like proceed? It I know. just like drives me nuts that they've gone the wrong direction. They should have changed it for the rest of the world. <laughs> they should have made it so like X and O switched to Nintendo well, style. So damn it. I, I mostly got used to the Xbox where A is confirm and B is cancel and A is at the bottom and, and B's to the right. And, and- yeah, I know. And uh, you idiots, you idiots, like Microsoft, they like they've just, taken a super Nintendo I know, they should have just stuck with it. Then it would have been a standard and everyone would have done the same thing to, but you know, Sony still, I guess, would have had the Xbox version. I don't know. It's, it's confusing. But one thing that <laughs> I found somewhat confusing is I was playing the Witcher or the Switcher because I was play- playing it on Switch. And on PC at the same time. And on PC, I was using Xbox One controller. And of course, the buttons are flipped around. So whenever I played on the Switch, my brain yeah. would have to readjust and then I'll jump onto PC. And then it's like, oh, wait, it's actually the other button I got to press. And a lot of it is muscle memory. But I think I found because the feel of the buttons was different and because I was playing handheld on Switch a lot and obviously on the screen on PC with a controller, my brain adjusted really, really quickly, surprisingly quickly. But it became doubly confusing when I was playing Ghost of Tsushima at the same time on PlayStation. And because that's, in a way, a similar kind of, you know, third-person action game where you still have to sprint and jump. And, you know, the the mechanics are different but somewhat similar in terms of the controls that you have. So, I was effectively playing three different games games that my brain had to constantly adjust and jump between <laughs> and it got a bit yeah a bit weird i wish there was a standard but hey it is what yeah. it is well i th- i think it's like fully done it's, now. it sounds <laughs> like now it, that yeah. they made a decision but you know you know what the reality also is the- how many people are really in a privileged position we should consider ourselves lucky and privileged to have three consoles that you can play around with you know i would i would imagine the general rule yeah. is most people maybe have one or two really serious gamers, of course, probably grab all of them. But a lot of people that I know only really have one console, so they don't really have that issue. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, and thank you, you for checking my privilege. Just making sure you're grounded. Okay. Yeah. Look, I understand that why they want to unify it. I understand that they've unified it around what the majority of players do. Like Japan is, a, you know, is their home market, but in the end of the day, it's, you know, 7 million PS4s are there compared to, you know, yeah. 100 million worldwide. So, you know, like you're not likely to want to piss off the the broader audience, right, to switch this. And it probably would be annoying for developers that, oh, yeah, wait a second, we've always got to switch <laughs> it for these games. But, man, for Japanese players, because the fact that, you know, Xbox doesn't register in Japan, really. So you've got Nintendo and PlayStation there. So they are then now going to be introduced to our <laughs> heartache. Because, <laughs> you know, for them, they've never even experienced oh, it when you think about it. They've always had confirmers <laughs> on the far right. So this is going to be what the first time this? they're like, what? It's the bottom That's one? Be so confusing. 
<laughs> it's funny. You know, I feel bad for them. And I wish I was Japanese because I could have lived in a world where far right was confirmed. I know. All of a sudden, years. what? Just a simpler world. Mind blowing over there. Um, <laughs> I know some games allow you yeah. to actually flip on PlayStation in particular. I've noticed it. And I, I don't remember off the top of my head exactly which ones, but some games allow you to flip the buttons in the menu as well. So, you. You can, I can imagine some people and some developers will put it so you can flip them back effectively. Well, I'm actually really surprised that neither of the manufacturers had, like, and Nintendo's actually done this, where it's got a system level yeah, that's remapping really of the yeah. buttons. And I don't say this as a being a, an idiot and kind of, oh, give me this. It's hmm. It's actually for accessibility. Like some folk, you know, like because of their hands and things like that, they can't hmm. press the trigger really buttons. Cool for that reason, the, yeah. There's, you know, other issues, right? And to me, it's like such a simple, basic thing to do that can have such a positive impact on people. Imagine if it, it's exactly, a difference between yeah. I can play that game or I and, can't. Like that's I mean, massive I'm sure for some people. Hmm. And it, you know, as you start a generation, you can think about these hmm. kind of things and have consideration. And like, it kind of shocks me that they didn't look at it and go. Oh yeah, we should do that. Like that's a that's an easy win, and and then you could actually just turn around and say to everyone, "Look, you can go into the yep. default." And switch I think to Xbox yourself, have right? that as well. Like if, you, if you really, I only to. mucked around with it once when I had the what was it even called that Pro controller, the Elite controller, and I I know you could remap. No, I had. Oh, do you have the Elite controller in the past? And you could remap some some mm. stuff. Um, and don't quote me on this, but I thought Xbox also allowed you to remap certain things on on the controller. I don't remember, though, exactly okay. to what extent okay. and whether you could do all of that the way you can with the Switch. Mm. Well, it's going to be interesting when this <laughs> lands in Japan just to you know hear the mm-hmm. translation of the issues that they have. Uh, and l- let's get into some local news. And not positive mm-hmm. local news, unfortunately. And it is a bit of a reflection of the Australian gaming landscape. So Riot Games, uh, so very famous for League of Legends, uh, they they were really trying to push into Australia. They had an office in Sydney. They had an Oceania uh, esports league uh, called OPL, and they've made the decision to actually close their Sydney office and lay off uh, the ten per- permanent staff there. You know, esports in Australia it's kind of interesting because, you know, obviously my love for Rocket League. I follow sort of the Oceania Rocket League competition and. It's very like this. It's it's a fascinating experiment to see how big esports are because esports is mm. not mainstream. Let's be real, and Australia being such a smaller population and more dispersed across the country, it just sort of never really takes off a lot of these esports in Australia, and they they kind of can never really land it. And even with this game being as massive as it is. They still really haven't made it successful here. I mean, like, I actually don't know. Like, no, no I don't you know. But you know, I'm not also not into sports. Or... I like to play a game, not watch other people play it. So that's the part I never got. <laughs> I, I, I can see it as one of those things yeah. where once you get into it, you really get into it. But to me, the fascination just yeah. was never there. I, I don't get the point of sitting there watching someone else play over and over again when you can just go play that game yourself. So, but but also I think you know what it yeah, comes down to. Like Sorry, I think it, I think it's the fact that I I'm not into the kind of games that esports games are conducive to. So I'm not into COD. I'm true. not into that's repetitive true. games like that's that. So really true. naturally, why would I sit there watching or <laughs> right. giving a shit about a Rocket League 
league yeah. if I'm not into Rocket League. So, yeah, no, that, that is true. I, I'll give you that. That generally, the games that you know they have esports for, like the MOBAs and things no, like not that, at all. Just not just, games you play. What well, the re- so, and like, it yeah, comes down, like I said, yeah. the main reason behind that. And again, I don't think the bad games are anything. They're amazing in their own right. Hence why they're so popular. I just don't have the time for that repetition anymore. There's just so much good stuff out there to to mm. not just in in the gaming space, but to do in life in general. And you have such limited time to do that stuff in. But even within the gaming space, there's so many amazing games out there to experience that I don't have the time to do the same thing day in, day out for months at a time, you know, literally repeating exactly the same thing with slight variations. Um, there's just there's too much good stuff out there to explore to spend time like that. Mm. Yeah. And then more bad news in the Australian gaming landscape. And look, look the context is gaming is probably yeah. the strongest it's ever been in our lifetimes. Um, GameSpot Australia, they're like, so GameSpot, the parent company are closing the Australian outlet for GameSpot. And then that obviously is impacting, you know, the editor wow. in chief who's been there for like 12 Long years. Time. You know, a lot of their long serving staff have been there nine years. Uh, and yeah, it's, they're closing their presence here, which, you know, the way it's going in the Australian market, I feel that generally the independent outlets are doing, you know, and this, this is just reality, unfortunately, for me, they're doing a better job than mm. some of these massive outlets Kotaku. like IGN Australia, Gamespot. you know, GameSpot Australia, Kotaku. I feel like they're not really breaking as many stories. They're not across things as, as you know, other players in that space. It's like interesting, Xbox, isn't it? Yeah. Nintendo, Press Start and survivor like i feel like they're way across way on top of you know the pre-orders what's happening what are target doing what is this doing like for me i get more information from them than i do these I bigger think also, and yeah it is a bit yeah, unfortunate, kind of unfortunate. But, i mean not not to bag a site like otaku out because i i used to used to visit it a lot used to um used to even post and stuff um and i haven't for a while just because i felt it became less about games and more about pull you know politics and identity and stuff that and look yeah and pc culture and stuff that that had a place and it attracted a certain um demographic which and i think it's good that they had a lot of those articles and talked about a lot of that stuff but i also think it alienated a lot of people because a lot of people just want to talk about games they just want to see what the games news is and not get into the politics of it as much um so I feel like maybe they also yeah. got impacted a, a, li- a little bit by stuff like that. Yeah, and I think generally, you know, that long-form journalism just doesn't no. get clicks. So, you know, investing a bunch of time, doing a lot of research, it just it doesn't, like yeah. doesn't pay off as much. And it's kind of funny, like, you know, in a way, you know, like even our podcast... You know, one thing I'm really passionate about and want to start pursuing is, you know, doing more long form content, reaching out to people who have released games in Australia, Australian devs, and having like long interviews, long chats, Mm. because you can, you know, and we're not like, it actually makes sense for the format, whereas not a really long article and interview with one of the Hollow Knights developers who they're Adelaide based boys. It kind of mm. it, no one's going to click it. Whereas if you're listening to it, you're at the gym doing whatever you do, cleaning. It's, it while does, you're to but the podcast, isn't that kind of a sense, sad reflection you know? on on yeah. society in general that our ability to focus on something and focus on a single thing it just doesn't exist anymore. We we can 
Yeah, no, but compared exists, to before, you know, I, like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, we are totally interrupted. interrupted. You know, oh, I don't have you know ten yeah. minutes to read an article. I'd rather uh, listen to the podcast version of it in summary while I'm doing ten million other things. Hmm. Uh, it's it kind of sucks in a way. You know, I I still read books as a lot of people do, obviously, and I really enjoy the experience of sitting down try not to have any distractions, putting my phone away. And that's the focus. That's the only thing that I do for the next, you know, two hours or something. Mm. And it's, it's a really good experience that I feel even myself, I just don't get that as often anymore. There's just so many distractions and I like little bite-sized pieces of information everywhere. And I know people have talked about this to death, but it's, it's kind of annoying and sad that that happens. And I wonder, I wonder though, to what effect, games have had an impact on that so when you think about you know the formula of a call of duty game where you're in it you survive for like 40 seconds then you die you're in it you survive for 30 seconds you die it's that bite-sized in out action not a long term Mm. you know and, and i wonder what psychological effect that repetition of that particular task has on people's ability to then focus on other things in life for a prolonged period of time. I, look, I, I think games probably very minimal. Compared oh yeah, to absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. Yeah. And like when I say the it's, phone, smartphone, I think like, you know, the introduction of smartphones about 10 years ago has had like that and then combine it oh, with God. social yeah. media. And then one thing in particular with social media that I was always very, like, I was always, yeah. you know, I think you know my view on social media. I was always a bit wary of it, always, just because, you know, there is a very superficial nature to social media that, like, the whole thing oh, is absolutely, yeah. about superficiality. And then the change that they made to it, and it's all about, you know, getting engagement and making money, and I get that. I'm not blaming hmm. that. Like, they're going to do them, and that's, you know, what makes sense for their business. But the thing that really worried me, and I remember when they made this change and I was really like disturbed by it was when they stopped showing you and all the social media platforms do this. When they stopped showing you unadulterated posts from people, you know, so, Hey, I've got 50 Hmm. friends or 150 friends is the average on Facebook. And I just see a timeline of all the posts that they're posting. Instead, they have an algorithm which shows posts that I'm more mm. likely to like or engage with. So really hate, you know, anything that gives me a reaction. Like yeah. that's literally well, the model. That, 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 what, you know, that gets retention, how do I get a reaction so out of this person? It's about right? keeping you on there to keep scrolling Correct. to give you those and, ads. And for me, so. yeah, and for me, when I saw that, I was like, wow, this is yeah, so scary because my analogy is always – you know, there's a village idiot in every village, right? And it's like one out of 150 yeah. people is a village idiot, right? But generally in society for like 100,000 years of, we've been around as a species, you know, they're isolated and the rest of the society puts pressure on them to go, well, you're, you're crazy. You've got these crazy views. You're not like normal. And to me, that's actually a positive thing. You know, it suppresses extremism in that way. And And when I say extremism, I mean on the left, on the right, on all those political dimensions now with the way that these social media platforms work it actually connects through algorithmically these (laughs) village idiots together to a point where you know they actually think oh yeah other people agree with me oh they're saying that it's even more extreme than what i'm saying i'm like the normal one here you go down a rabbit hole after that and you keep getting content that is the same and it supports your views and you just 
keep getting the same thing and then you stay in your bubble because why would you get out of it if that's all you get? Yeah. And I'd really be careful about getting too political, but, you know, even recently, you know, because my, you know, I'm originally from Melbourne and my parents are in Melbourne mm. and most of my mates are down there. Um, You know, like there's some issues with the government, you know, whatever you want to decide and your views on it. It's just the thing that annoyed me was my mom was talking about it and she's like, oh, everyone's really against the premier on this. I'm like, no, 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 no. Exactly. You are seeing all the people that agree with you and you're then thinking everyone's against him. It's like, no, not everyone's against him. Like, you know, I'll reserve what I believe about it. And I think you can have a view either way, but- you know, it's a very dangerous thing. And that, that, that to me just crystallizes. Of course, like, that's exactly what's wrong tribes. with it. Yeah. Like that, you know, you have this situation. It's, it's scary. Yeah. So I think those things, yeah, sorry, it's... this is a long bow, but, you know, I think the combination of smartphone, I can use that anytime. I, I'm constantly distracted. I'm constantly picking it up. And then that the social media one connection the drivers, there yeah. is just obliterating yeah. Look, people's it, I wouldn't say spans. it was the genesis. I'm, I'm sure other things before that, you know, slowly changed the way humans um, interact and the way they think. But absolutely, you know, that the phone was probably the biggest impact. Um, but back to gaming, I think you were going to talk about what's in the bargain bin this week. Yes. So my favorite segment, uh, as you as you know, as a religious yes. uh, listener, Mike, yes. this is my favorite segment. I have, this is sorry, where I you have, can get games for free. Logo we tell you which games are free. I, I'll, send, I'll send a photo if you want to share it with, you, <laughs> with your listeners. Well, that's that's good because I'm uh, thinking about changing the logo. So. Tattoo over it. Uh, so we we always start with Epic Games, um, as they usually have literally yeah. just free games. So this week, Abzu, which is a very well regarded nice. game, is free. Rising Storm Two Vietnam is free this week as well. And next week they've cool. announced that Amnesia: that wasn't the, A Machine uh, for Pigs and Kingdom New Lands. Just let me finish. <laughs> Amnesia, A Machine for Pigs, and Kingdom New Lands nice. is free next week. So keep an eye out. No, I was going to say, uh, what, sorry, what were you sorry say, I, I love interrupting really you. It's, oh, just, mm. It, mm, I feel it's like fun. every time I interrupt you, an achievement pops above my head and I just get that instant hit of dopamine. And it just encourages me to do it over and over and over again. Yes, it's, it's my thing of... <laughs> How many times? And how many? <laughs> this is how many weeks before you're invited again? <laughs> Were you gonna I was actually going to talk about Amnesia. So I, I have played Amnesia, and mm. uh, there was a really cool video that I watched in Ask Technica. It's the the War Stories um, series, and that's the one where they talk about they get developers of of a whole bunch of different games, and they sort of talk about a challenge that they faced and how they overcame their challenge. And one of them was on Amnesia, and since you know, you saw it here and I thought it's an interesting little tidbit for someone that may not have uh, played the game. In the game, you've got the sphere mechanic where if you do certain tasks or you see certain things or you're in the dark for too long, your insanity meter goes up and then things start to sort of change in the game. And there were even some hints that say, you know, certain things are harder um, in the game. But what the developers realized when they were building the actual game is that it was making the game hard to play and unfun when you were hitting these high levels of insanity. So what they did is they basically made it so you don't really get penalized. So the amazing thing about the game is that people try to avoid actively getting that level of um, of scare and that fear in the game even though there's actually no negative outcome. The game doesn't actually really change in the end. 
people do that to themselves, thinking incorrectly, but they think that it'll have some sort of negative repercussion, like the game will become harder or something. So I found that super fascinating, especially for a game that, you know, ironically is is about psychology and, and scares and stuff like that. That such an interesting little meta mechanic came out of it. So, by the way, not a shameless plug or anything because I'm not associated with them, but that series of podcasts, the the war stories, is really, really cool. Some really awesome stuff on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and, like, I find that horror in general has some of the most innovative, you know, gameplay yeah, elements. Can, yeah. You know, there's some great, like, horror games on GameCube that, like, would, you know, screw around with the actual... You know, it will make you feel like your TV's broken or it's deleting a save yeah. on your game. And it's really it, like cool, that yeah. kind of stuff is so cool. Um, all right. Well, let me whip yeah. through the rest of the platform. So on PC, probably the highlight that I identified was Witcher 3 Wild Hunt is $12 Australian on Humble Store. It's is just, that the, I get this game. Including like, the DLCs just or game. just the base game? Okay. It's no, worth getting it. I never finished the DLCs, yeah. but by all um, accounts, amazing. So. A lot, yeah, yeah, and they go on sale quite often anyway, so, you know, it's a great way to get into Can I quickly talk, talk about the, the, the Witcher, the actually? Switch. So, I don't know how much you guys already talked about it. Well, well no, 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 because uh, I'm keen to get into the Hades review, cool, so, cool. and we have covered it quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That, well, yeah I don't, have I don't you guys played the Switcher, though? Have Witcher you guys played the about Switch version of it? <laughs> well, you mentioned it before. That you, so much stuff i got to talk about that game. Anyway, go on. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe some other time, <laughs> but let me, let me get through these. So PC, uh, you know, my highlight is that- Yeah, you already said that. You could have just let me talk about it instead. Uh, instead of just repeating no, shit, boring your audience. Oh. Come on. <laughs> uh, with the Nintendo Switch, uh, the highlights this week. So Overwatch is, there's a free tri- <laughs> trial of Overwatch. So for Nintendo you try to Switch get online that. subscribers. Um <laughs> Pikmin 3 Deluxe, the demo, I've mentioned that before, but it's like well worth picking that up and the save data carries over, which is a really important thing to do in uh, demos. Killer ba- uh, sorry, Killer Queen Black, which is like such a cult hit and just really hasn't, you know, gained any popularity on the Switch, unfortunately. It's $2.79. <laughs> this is a game I would definitely get if someone of my mates would buy it. It's a multiplayer game. Okay. Well, it's it's really really good game. Like I, I'll get know, it for I'll try to convince you all. I was I was almost tempted. Like I don't yeah. think you can do this with Switch. Unfortunately, I would. This is the kind of game I'd buy it and then just gift it to all you guys <laughs> to kind of force you to play it. Um, and then just quickly, uh, Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. I'm just mentioning that twenty six fifty five fifty five percent off because we have spoken about Monster Boy quite a lot on the podcast. Uh, PlayStation. Highlights for me, uh, Life is Strange 2, Episode 1 is free at the moment, and Metal Gear Solid 5, the definitive edition, so the full, you know, DLC, everything with it, nice. is four ninety nine at the moment, Australian, so 80% off, which is pretty decent. And then with Xbox, unfortunately, Sony's <laughs> not here, but there was an ad- new addition to Game Pass, which was Superland. Uh, that's coming day one on launch on Jossel. October 22nd, which is pretty sick. All right, let, let's... Let's let's get into Mike's, Mike's segment. <laughs> and he's not really. Fully I'll talk take about over two the minutes podcast now. Uh, was, no, no. Well, I hope not. Um, Hades. So Swinney and I haven't yeah. played Hades. Hades has gained a huge number amount of one on the Switch. Very high, highly rated game. A lot of people are like calling uh, this game of the year, uh-huh. which is 
awesome. Like, I'd love to see a different game be game of the year. But yeah, well, so like, let, so let's first go of all, I pre- of Hades. so I'll preface this with the fact that um, I picked it up uh, randomly because. I think I was playing Hollow Knight and I went, uh, you know, I want something that's a little easier, a little more action-y. I'm (laughs) getting sick of being stuck on this particular boss. And I knew about Hades because I I had seen it when it was 20% off pre-launch. And I thought, hey, is this, you know, the art style looks like Bastion, um, which I played way back. I think that was the first game that Supergiant, if I'm not mistaken. I'm I'm not really good, by the way, at remembering who makes games and stuff like that. I'm really shit at that. But I do. No, I actually haven't. But I know with this particular one, mostly because of of the art style, I remembered it looked (laughs) to me exactly Mm. like Bastion. And then Transistor, I think... um, came sometime in between and again very similar look and feel so they must be using i guess the same base engine i love the art style and stuff i'm like hey i'll just pick it up give it a shot see what it's like i got hooked it is such an addictive gameplay loop um probably one of the most addictive gameplay loops i've experienced in recent times and i think the key to that other than solid gameplay and i can go into the gameplay in in a little bit is it's it's a roguelike, so you're expected to die over and over again. But unlike a lot of games that generally penalize you fairly severely for dying, so if, you know, I use Hollow Knight as, as an example. If you die, you know, your your spirit comes out, you can go back and then you can kill it and then you can collect all, um, all the stuff that he dropped. But... If you lose twice, and it's the same as in Dark Souls, you lose your souls completely. So it's a massive penalty. Whereas the cool twist with this game is the story progresses every time you die. So the gameplay itself, other than, you know, some of the characters you meet across the way um, through the actual game loop, um, it's, it's, it's action-based. But when you go back at the start after you die, you get to talk to the NPCs and you get to uncover the story. And it's a pretty unique conversation each time you talk to them again. So they did quite a lot of extensive voice acting. You can clearly tell. It's 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 really well done. So in a strange way, you almost look forward to dying or maybe not look forward to, but you don't feel as bad in dying because you know that you'll see something cool and you'll progress the story and you'll get a little bit more powerful for the next next run. So I loved that mechanic. It's one of the coolest things that I've seen implemented. I think the closest thing recently that I played that was kind of like that, but it didn't really have the same story aspect, um, was Dead Cells, which Hades kind of... I don't know if it's inspired by Dead Cells. Dead Cells has been around for a little while, but it's a very similar concept. I mean, it's the same concept that a lot of roguelikes mm. have where you play through the game, um, you're weak at the start, you randomly get weapons. So every playthrough is technically different purely from that aspect in, in itself. Randomly generated rooms and stuff as well. Um, and then you die because you tend to not be powerful enough. You don't know the game yet. And you get certain upgrades that you can permanently use to boost your character. So in theory, the next round that you play should be a little bit easier. And then, you you know, you keep doing it and it should get easier every single time. One of the cool mechanics that they included, and I actually only saw it after I died about 25 times. So I'd done quite, quite, quite a chunk of the game by the 25th 
time. I hadn't clocked it yet. Um, I got to the final boss maybe three times in that amount. Um, is a is a concept of get, uh, God mode. So you can go to the options and you can op- uh, enable God mode. And what that does is it makes you 20% less, um, I guess, or it, it, to put it another way, you take 20% less damage. And then every time you die, it increases the amount of damage that you can withstand all the way up to 80%. So if you struggle at the game, you can enable that. And as you keep dying and dying and dying, you slowly, you know, the game becomes easier in theory. And it's such a brilliant mechanic. But even, by the way, to anyone that's actually playing it, if you really love a challenge, don't enable it. I didn't have it on for the first 25 runs. But I would I would dare say I did turn oh, it on at the twenty fifth twenty fifth mark only because only okay. because I felt like otherwise the developers could have maybe been a little bit more rewarding with what they give you to be able to upgrade a character between runs. I felt it was just taking way too long to be able to upgrade some stuff to really complete the game properly. And again, as much as I love those kind of games and I, I I've said multiple times in this podcast already, I don't like repetitive games like that. This is the <laughs> ultimate repetition. Can, can I, can I, just, yeah, can sure. I interrupt you? It's like the thing that made me laugh all the way through the podcast, <laughs> not the interrupting that pissed me off, but the the thing that made me laugh is you kept on attacking, I'm not attacking people, people who like repetitive I'm attacking games. The game. And then I know, I know I I you I want know, to talk I about I knew you were Hades, waiting for this. Which is literally a roguelike. Here, here's the difference. It's a roguelike. Here, the whole idea is it's a gameplay loop. Yes. <laughs> Within its own confined ecosystem, let's say, I didn't mind the fact that for about three days or whatever it was, three or four days, I was hooked on that game. Um, even my girlfriend goes, cause I was sitting there in bed playing it at about 2am one of the days. And she's like, is this what you used to do all the time before you met me? Just go home and play Xbox. <laughs> um, but, but the difference was, the difference yes, is, the answer is yes, I'm happy she's listening. to play this kind of games because I know it will be for a limited amount of time. And because a game like that, um, had, had an, Well, I wouldn't say amazing, but it had a really cool, captivating story that was worth experiencing and going through. Mm. And I knew that I had the power in me to be able to put an end to it. And it's exactly what I did. So, (laughs) dude, it is because because I, I, (laughs) in the past, I struggled with that. I I really would. It'd be so hard to put it down. What were you going to say? I feel like that that's a good title for the episode. I have the power in me to end it. Sure, go with that. So so I knew I knew at the onset, I'm I'm self-aware enough that a game like that can be super addictive. And I, I knew there was a really good chance I'll, I'll get hooked on a game like that. And it's exactly what happened. But I also knew that now I have the self-control to say, okay, have I played this game enough to feel satisfied about it? And after 25 runs, which I don't know what that equates to, like each run is probably at least half an hour. Um, some were longer, some were a little shorter, but let's let's average it out to about a half an hour. So at that stage, I probably had already played, including being in the menus and everything, probably getting close to actually twenty hours worth of the game. Um, and then I thought, hey, I'll enable this god mode. It made a difference, but it didn't really because it still Cheater. took probably like at least another fifteen, twenty runs. I don't know. I have to actually check how long, it, how many it was in total to 
complete the game. You never truly complete the game because in those games, especially, you know, if you want to... Well, no, I, I think finished that's it. true. I think, I think if you beat it hmm? eight times or something yeah, like that, but, then it's got like the but again, final, you don't final fr- boss. Yeah, what's completion though? Because roguelikes in that sense, yes, they have the ability to complete, but then, you know, I'm sure there's achievements for doing particular things. I'm sure there's... You know, some people would want to complete to upgrade every single thing that they have, every weapon that they have, every ability that they have. So, completion is, yeah. Can you complete the story at a certain point? Absolutely. No, like, no, there is. There is. There's, like, so normally in these games, I'm just across it because uh, I really mm-hmm. got into, into yeah, the dungeon. Yeah, that's good too. Like, normally what they do is they have what the fans and... To be honest, the developers as well consider to be "quote unquote" the true ending, yeah, and that's yeah, like yeah. you actually beating the game. And a lot of the times, you actually have to beat it in lots of different ways, and then you almost do the opposite of what you're doing. A lot of these games have almost like an anti-god yeah. mode, which makes the game harder. So oh, that's what yeah. Dead Cells that has, and that's how you unlock <laughs> the true ending. So, like, I mean, like you know, and I naively sort of had the same view as you around these low rogue-like or roguelite games. Until I saw, you know, The Completionist is a YouTuber. It's a very, very cool channel. He actually completed Dead Cells because he got challenged by his community to complete Dead Cells. And I'm like, how did he complete it? And he actually did. He got every single item, every single weapon, and every single ending. That is the ultimate completion. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm aware that there's mechanisms that you could say, okay, it's complete from a story perspective. It's complete from an achievements perspective. It's maybe even complete from what the developers wanted you. But in, in a game like this, you could spend probably hundreds and hundreds of hours trying to actually unlock and finish everything. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah definitely, definitely. So, I, I told definitely. myself, uh, back to the story, that, okay, I, I will complete what I feel is the story, meaning beating the, uh, I guess it's not the final, final boss, but it was the final boss that kind of finished the loop in a way. I, I completed the run, run properly. Completing yeah. the run. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you complete a, I'm I'm the same as you. Like I consider it, if you complete a run in a roguelike or roguelike, yeah, that's kind of like you've beaten it. And that might not be the true ending, but I feel like hey, you've done it. You know, you've you've done a run successfully. You didn't yeah, die. Great. It was like that's kind of winning. To me, like, to me, in the end, way. it didn't. I mean, there was no achievements that popped out. There was nothing like that. I just felt okay. I completed it. I feel I feel complete if you could put it that way. And I feel content that I got what I wanted yeah. out of this game. And initially, I'm like, okay, I'll delete it straight away. But I I quickly played it probably for another 10 minutes just to see if anything had changed. Any of the... No, no, I did. Oh, I thought As you in, I, I went around just to check oh. what the, if the characters had changed <laughs> any of the conversation or if there was something that had progressed. And of course, they did. They reacted to, to what had happened. And then I went, okay, cool. That's it, done. I just deleted it. So, amazing experience. Highly recommend it if you feel that you're capable of keeping it at bay. But as a warning, it is the kind of game that because of that really addictive loop um, and the fact that even now I know that there's more story because you finish the story and you get to your goal, which I I won't spoil what it is. And then there's a very strong hint that to progress that part of the story, you need to keep playing the game multiple times. So there isn't. I didn't really finish the story yeah, per se. I'm, I'm just going to go check it out on YouTube. But you know, I spent what 30, 40. I have. I need to need to actually check exactly how much. But I'll probably estimate like forty hours on that game. And that to me, that's enough. That's I want to move on to the next thing and and you know finish Hollow Knight and see what else there is. Yeah. 
but really solid yeah, that game. Makes highly sense. recommend. That makes sense. And yeah, like that was that was actually like one thing I keep hearing from everyone about this game that how the story reacts yeah. to your runs in in a way that feels very dynamic it and it feels yeah. very alive. Like that was that's almost the number one thing that people say. Like along with it being super addictive, which I kind of think it goes does. hand in hand it's with part rogue of the lights concept, really. and rogue lights. Like if they're a good game, they're addictive. Like that's the kind of gameplay loop that you have. And even some people on my friend list on, on switch and steam, like I look through their most played games and some people it's like binding wow. of Isaac a thousand hours. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> but I get yeah, it. Yeah. Like if, if you love it, you know, I've played hundreds and hundreds of hours mm. of rocket league. So I, I'm not judging, but um, yeah, if you like that, oh, loop, it's like, it's super yeah. addictive. So we, we actually don't have a scoring system because we don't review, mm. like we review a lot of stuff, but we, I don't know, we've never landed on a scoring system. So you, the way we do it generally is you okay. have to make up your own scoring system and then score <laughs> score the game. So the first phase is what's the scoring system that you want to uh, make up for this uh, game? Well, I'll just jump straight to the score. I'm going to give it nine deaths out of 10. Okay. So just a yeah, classic nine out of 10 system. It's an excellent game. Nine out of ten, and, and that yeah. correlates. And it's, to what it's most well priced. Yeah, it's so sort of like I think hugely... it's. I paid full price. It was only thirty five dollars or something Australian. I don't know what that equates to US because I'd imagine a lot of your maybe um, listeners are actually not based in Australia. Um, listeners, but it's yeah. it's twenty bucks. Maybe yes, so it's, it's a budgety yeah. kind of game. And if you like look at US, the yeah. the dollar per hour that you could get out of this game, it's really good value. Oh, Even yeah. if you just play it through yeah. once, um, it, it's a really, really good value. So, um, yeah, solid game for the price. Yeah, it seems like if you like anything in that rogue-like Perfect. slash light Oh, absolutely. Genre, it's it's so like polished. They've yeah. taken all the concepts out of um, previous ones. And to me, so I played... Dead Cells when it was originally on early access and it was still relatively limited back then. Yeah, yeah. I oh, bought it on early access. Gosh, I don't even remember when. It was maybe the something the like that. Yeah, it I feels like it two, three years access. ago that I bought it back yeah. when I was living in the previous place and stuff. And I really enjoyed the game. I enjoyed the loop. It wasn't as rewarding and I found the problem that I had with it is because of the limited time that I felt I had, I it wasn't rewarding enough to unlock enough stuff to feel worthwhile. I felt like I just had to do so many runs until I got something tangible enough to feel like I made progress. Um, and at the mm. time, it, it it was hard to really get to some of the areas. I'm like, am I missing something? Or am I just really shit at this? And I don't feel like I was shit at the game. It was just very unforgiving in certain parts. Um, and the concept's exactly the same. So um, like any roguelike, or most roguelikes anyway you randomly get drops and abilities through each run. So every run is kind of different in that sense. And I think Hades have taken that once, has taken that one step further where you get a selection of different weapons, but the abilities that you get within the game alter the gameplay quite significantly. So um, I won't go mm. into, into massive details, but basically you can get an ability that, you know, changes your um, your special ability. So instead of one normal attack, it's three different types of attacks. Or your bow, instead of just shooting in, in one direction, splits into three arrows that go, you know, in three different directions. Those kind of significant weapon changes. And it's random. So you could get a one one run where, unfortunately, you just get upgrades that aren't, 
really great or they're not suitable to the way you generally play the game. And in another run, you might get something that just it's so perfectly cohesive with the way you play and the weapons you've chosen that you just rip through all the enemies. Um, and like the last run that I did with mm. with the boss was almost a, a 180 compared to the run before that where I had lost someone like halfway through um, to one of the bosses. I just didn't really have good equipment. Um, and then right after the next run, I happened to get really good upgrades that I got to the final boss and I still had... Um, you don't you don't get lives per se, so you have a single life, but you have this concept of being able to revive um, to a certain amount of health if you die, and you can upgrade that to um, I think two extra ones is what I had. I don't know if you can go higher than that. Um, you can get up to three with oh, the special yeah. item, so you can effectively yeah preserve life. Like yes, yeah, so you can you can survive up to three deaths. Um, and normally, you know, yeah. I'll run through all those well before the final boss. But I was at the final boss and I think I beat him with all of them intact. So, just the build that I had was just perfect. Oh, yeah. So, there's there's a huge element of randomness, not just skill involved. But I think that's what keeps it fresh. Because unlike a lot of other games, I felt like every time I started the run again, I was looking forward to seeing what new ability I unlocked and through through the entire process, I was still unlocking stuff. There was still stuff that was new, like a new ability or a new a new move or something that I hadn't actually seen the entire time. So it's really well adjusted, polished, amazing game. Mm. No, like it's definitely a game that I've I've got a keen eye to play. Uh, I might buy it when it's on sale again. Like, and it's cool how they yeah, they, they did, launched yeah. it on sale. I must admit, for me, I'm not I'm not a really big fan of pure rogue like games where you know that real element of you're not really progressing between runs. I like this style of game where it's still got those elements of randomness, but yeah. you are building like you know you unlocking abilities or you know weapons or these type of things. So then future runs are going to yeah. be easier, effectively. And you're also in- increasing your skill through time. So, sort of like the game should become naturally easier Which it does, yeah. over time. It's I do really like well polished. The, they've thought about this. Yeah, well. because I always just kind of feel like, oh, oh man, like I, I'm not progressing here or like, you know, you're just going back to square one yeah. and it's like you've gained nothing. And then you just from turn that, the game off. That run, which, you know, it for puts everything. It off and, yeah. Yeah, and everything I've heard about this game, given that like mm. you you actually do get stuff, and then also yep. the story itself reflects it, it rewards you for runs, the repetition like cool really idea. really well, and in a genuine yeah. way as well, not in yeah. a, so in no. a forced kind of gimmicky kind of way. In a for once, I actually played a game where I felt rewarded for dying and repeating the same thing over and over again, just because it sort of genuinely revealed more of the story and allowed me to experience things differently each time. So it's just brilliant. It's really well thought out. Very polished. And it's funny about the whole God mode thing because I know Sweeney <laughs> would never switch. Well, to he, like he would if there's no achievements, like, and then beat the game. Like maybe <laughs> he might do it after beating the game, but he would never do. Well, it look, I I, I felt like that too. By the way, Even sorry, when- I, I I felt ooh, should I do this? I feel like I'm I'm cheapening out. But then I thought, you know what? It's actually yeah. the concept of it is 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 it makes sense in the game that you're playing if that makes sense because it's not like it makes the game easy it makes it a little easier but gradually easier so it still it still takes you yeah. many many runs to be able to actually beat 
the boss and finish the story and everything, it just, you know, doesn't take you the insane amounts of runs that it might take you otherwise. So if you value your time, I feel like genuinely you're not really cheating yourself because in the end it's about cheating yourself, obviously. I really don't feel like you cheat yourself even if you have it on from the start. You will get an amazing gaming experience. It just won't be as frustrating and you actually get to experience stuff. Yeah, nice. So 9 out of 10 for you, that's highly recommends in our scale, I guess. Um, I played on the Switch Switch. because I love the portability. So on that point, because I was talking about The Witcher. Yeah, I was going to ask you. No, no performance whatsoever. Like maybe minor slowdown here or there, but I was actually thinking about that, that it it ran quite well. Um, Oh, because some people are saying that, and I think these are people who played it on mm. PC and then got it on Switch. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure compared to PC, yeah, this. And it probably back to would be better on PC. on PC, of course. But that you know, that goes back to what I was saying about The Witcher versus um, playing it on PC versus the Switch. So I was I was flipping between them. On the Switch, it effectively runs at pretty much the lowest settings you can have on PC. Um, yeah, yeah, which that's like obviously makes sense. I mean, it's amazing that they crammed that game onto a cartridge and you can play it on the Switch. But I found myself um, enjoying it in a way more on the Switch because I mostly played in portable mode. So I I wouldn't have played... I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much if I played it on my TV, let's say, in docked mode. Because then I'd be like, what's the point? You know, I might as well just jump on the PC and play it on there. Um, so I predominantly played it on in bed or on the toilet or anywhere, really, um, in, in handheld <laughs> mode. And you don't really care about the performance as much. Yeah, it runs at, you know, 30 frames or less. Um, At the start when it first came out, because I bought it at launch, one of the things that kind of annoyed me a little bit is it ran at really low resolution. So things were a little blurry and that kind of put me off a bit more than the performance itself. But subsequently, um, and I don't remember when, this was exactly they released a patch and one of the patches just opened up a whole bunch of options that you can change in the menu and one of them was the ability to um to put sharpening on so you can go full sharpening mode and that's it made a world of difference the game just looks looks and feels so good on the switch in handheld Mm. mode and i had no no issues with that in fact i found myself going to the switch way more than on pc where I had it running at, you know, 144 frames on a gaming monitor <laughs> at max everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, super quality, quality on, yeah, on like yeah, a 32 yeah, quality, inch gaming. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Ultra, everything ultra absolutely quality, maxed yeah. that I could possibly max. Because, um, you know, I was running it on 2070 and it could handle a game like that, no problem. Um, but I still found myself just yeah. just going back to the Switch. I just enjoyed the experience of playing it on in handheld on 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 just in my bed and that's so cool i found yeah yeah no like so like gaming to me i'm the exact same as you it's it's Mm. the whole experience you know and you know i know sweeney doesn't experience this and you probably don't either but for me the ability to like quickly stop a game and go do something else (laughs) with kids and all this other kind of stuff and other stuff in life is like such an important factor it's almost like one of the most important factors for me and, you know, even when I play Rocket League, which is a multiplayer game, you know, if I'm going to play competitive, which, you know, like generally if you're yeah, playing competitive, you shouldn't quit the game um, when you're playing it. You can, but it's like a really, it's not a very nice thing to do at all. Um, and you get penalized in the game as well. 
um, you know, you have to, I have to like work around things <laughs> in my life to make sure, yeah. you know, I have, you know, ability to do that. So this, for me, the switch is massive because, you know, if you're playing like Witcher, you can just pause it by pressing the power button, put your switch down go do stuff and then resume at any time. So like whenever those games come out for me, if they don't support cross platform saving and progression, mm, I basically don't enough, get yeah. them because it's like, okay, like. And that's what the awesome thing the about Switcher. the Witch is, uh, Witcher is that you can actually, you know, play yeah. it on the Switch and then pick it, it up on so good. PC I love and continue. That. It, like, it, that's that's it was, awesome. It's so to me, it's like a absolutely you have yeah. to have that. The, the, that that's actually what it. sold me on it because I, I I never I'm so embarrassed to say this, but I never fully finished The Witcher, and I have multiple copies on Xbox. Yeah. I know, I but have, a lot of people are like I've got that the collector's the edition, the one with the statue. <laughs> And everything on Xbox, and I still haven't finished the game. So, I mean, I think that's more not not. It's not a negative thing about the game. It's an amazing game. It's more about me and my ability to commit and finish it. You know, a game that takes that many hours. Um, but now, mm. now I, well, I finished know, it. Th- um, so now, now I, I had it in mind to finish it, and I think I actually will finish it this time. And the biggest selling point when I bought it was the fact that I could port my saves across, so I could play it on the PC when I feel like it, play it in yeah. bed, and I felt like that that would be a way that I could actually complete it for once. Well, it's even more than porting the saves; it's actually it is, yeah. synced. You, you have, have to manually sync it, yeah. which isn't a big issue to be yes. honest. But you have yes. to just remember: oh, I played it on this, and I had yeah. to go upload the file. It's really minor thing. Yeah. And I'm kind of okay with that because the Switch is so portable. Yeah. You could have it on your desk, yeah, on your exactly. PC anyway, like, and quickly do it. Yeah. And and just on the ending and, like, getting to the end, I mean, that is something that we covered previously, but just that CD Project Red, who made The Witcher 3 and then are making mm. Cyberpunk 2077, have made Cyberpunk 2077's main campaign mm. shorter because they've got the data and it just said... A lot of people played The Witcher a lot, but they didn't finish it because well, their perception yeah. is it's too long. <laughs> so it's kind of it's an interesting reflection. Wow. Sound like you're in that because you get well. and it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> exactly. um, it's a bad thing in the sense that there's obviously certain things that unfortunately you don't get to experience because you never go far enough into the campaign. But I still spent hundreds of hours on that game. Probably it's the same as a same as someone like Skyrim. Yeah. I probably spent you know. 300 400 hours in that game in total on different platforms including the switch and i've never finished it like i i just on the switch i reckon i probably put 100 hours into that game and i'm not even close to finishing the campaign but it didn't matter because it was such a sandbox kind of game that you could go around and experience all the side stuff and create your own little journeys and stuff that it didn't really matter that he didn't finish mm. the quest the main quest the only thing is yeah you missed out on probably some really cool gaming moments that were very scripted and finely tuned that you don't get in random encounters and stuff like that just wandering around but you can always look that up on the internet i guess <laughs> mm. yeah nice so recommendation from mike and big weekend gaming for hades um just getting to our outro. So just a reminder, next week, we're actually going to be reviewing and covering Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest. So Mike, if you do want to play that, like we can have you back on for to discuss that game. So it's available okay. on Nintendo Switch Online. And Swinney has sent me a photo and he is playing <laughs> it in the is. hospital. and <laughs> progressing through the story. <laughs> so, and I'm playing it on uh, like an original sort of uh, Super Nintendo setup. So I can't use save states or anything as I did with Donkey Kong Country and <laughs> cheated my way through it. 
Um, and again, if you want to help out the podcast, uh, reach out to us on at Big Wig Pod or uh, through the YouTube comments. We reply to everyone. And if you want to see the podcast grow, make sure you share it with some friends and give us a five-star review as it really gets us out there. Uh, bye. With that, bye-bye.